Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I'm said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of January 27th, 2022, including loads of new information has surfaced following Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard, Blizzard teases their next original game, Respawn Entertainment has three new Star Wars titles in development, and more. Apologies in advance if you thought this week was going to be back to regular, but we're going to do the regular stuff. It's going to be a little more regular than last week. We got so much of this Activision Blizzard stuff. I mean, honestly, maybe maybe I shouldn't even say sorry, because honestly, if you're going to an Xbox podcast, what do you want to hear people talk about more than this fucking Activision Blizzard stuff? Because it's, it's insane, and, and since we last spoke uh, a week ago... There's been a ton of new information. So again, this week's going to be a little different than usual. We're going to open straight up with all the Activision Blizzard stuff, all the latest developments, the new information on on the developing story, my new thoughts, you know, my my developed thoughts now that I've had a week to sit with the information. We've got new information. I've been able to just kind of digest and think about what all this means. And then thankfully, we got some of your feedback and input on this. So we get to go over that as well. But once we do that, we will get into a regular run of show with regular comments, regular news and all that. I I do promise. Uh, But man, oh man, I mean, what else is there to talk about? I I say as I'm about to also throw in this little tangent here where, you know, I've been gathering my thoughts all day thinking about how I'm going to approach this because there's still just so much to talk about. But right before I hit record, I noticed that uh, reviews for the new Pokemon Legends game have just started hitting and and I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh, man, this kind of looks like the first like really interesting Pokemon game in so long. Uh, I kind of fell off after Sun and Moon on 3DS, and I'm so, so I'm looking at it, and then I watch like one of these reviews. I watch like the Gamespot review, and immediately I'm just like, oh, I want I want to want this game. I want to be like, yeah, fuck it. Let, let, let me give you another go, Pokemon. But the game looks kind of <laughs> looks kind of boring. I don't I don't know. I'll wait to see. I'm sure many of you guys will play it. Let me know if it's a good game. But guys, this isn't the Pokemon Odd Podcast. This isn't the Nintendo Don't Podcast. This is the Xbox On Podcast where we talk about all the really expensive shit Microsoft buys because they have enough money to solve world hunger, but they, 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 they're not going to do it. They're going to buy Activision instead. So fuck you. Go hungry, you stupid little kid uh, dying because because economic turmoil and, and government power plays. Anyway, guys, let's talk about the exciting stuff. So no real elegant way to get into this, but... There's been so much development this past week following the the massive news from last Tuesday, which is that Microsoft is intending to purchase Activision Blizzard. The deal is, of course, supposed to be done by sometime next year, the latest. But, you know, since the news, obviously the big topics of discussion have been, especially around hardcore gamers such as ourselves, because let's be honest, we are hardcore. We're so fucking hardcore. But of course, you know, the the, the instant knee-jerk reactions are, how does this affect PlayStation? Because obviously you think, you think Activision, you think Blizzard, you think Call of Duty, you think Diablo, you think Overwatch and things like that. And these games are massive on PlayStation. So what does this all mean for PlayStation? And 
throughout the week, we've gotten so many bits and pieces of information. Phil Spencer's being all cute on Twitter. We got a fucking investor's call over at Microsoft. We got Sony even speaking out and saying shit. So I want to go into all these new developments first because this is, you know, obviously the the number one thing people are going to argue about now is Call of Duty is going to be exclusive, yes or no? This is all going to be in Game Pass. How much is this still going to be available on PlayStation? Is Xbox using this to strong-arm PlayStation into putting Game Pass on their platform? Calm your horses down. We'll get to this one by one. I want to talk about the news first. So let me try to run through a log of, of the order of events here. So first of all, this was shortly after we recorded last week. So this news is a bit old now. But following the announcement of Activision Blizzard becoming part of Team Xbox, Activision says that it has no intentions of removing existing games from other platforms once the acquisition has been completed. In an employee FAQ filed with the U.S. Secretary's Exchange Commission, Activision outlined how the transaction will impact existing partner agreements such as those with PlayStation, Sony, Google, Apple, etc., saying, quote, we will honor all existing commitments post-close. As with Microsoft's acquisition of Minecraft, we have no intent to remove, and this is Microsoft, as with Microsoft's acquisition of Minecraft, we have no intent to remove any content from platforms where they exist today. In its first response to Microsoft's proposed acquisition of Activision Blizzard, Sony said that it expects games to remain multi-platform due to existing contractual agreements. Activision creates some of PlayStation's most successful games, as we mentioned, COD, things like that. Last year in 2021, the two best-selling games on PlayStation 5 were Call of Duty Vanguard and Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. So that's how big of an IP that is. The best-selling game in the industry, of course. So huge, huge deal for how that impacts PlayStation going forward. But continuing on... Xbox vows to keep COD on PlayStation later in the week. Microsoft's head of gaming, Phil Spencer, uh, confirmed a desire to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation platforms once the acquisition has been concluded. Speculations have been rife since the announcement, of course, of the $70, $70 billion deal earlier in the week around how Microsoft will treat multi-platform releases. However, Phil Spencer took to Twitter and wrote the following, saying that Microsoft, quote, values their partnership with Sony and said that, Quote, our desire is to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation. Spencer wrote further, had good calls with the leaders at Sony. I can confirm our intent to honor all existing agreements upon acquisition of Activision Blizzard and our desire to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation. Sony is an important part of our industry and we value our relationship. Put a pin in that. That's really important stuff. Sony followed up later in the week with more information saying, and when asked about the acquisition, quote, we expect that Microsoft will abide by all contractual agreements and continue to ensure Activision games are multi-platform, a Sony spokesman said to the Wall Street Journal when asked about the acquisition. So put a pin in that because that's super important as well. Then later after that, Bloomberg reported that at least the next three Call of Duty games starting with 2022, should be available on PlayStation platforms. According to Bloomberg sources, prior to the announcement of Microsoft's takeover plans, Activision had already agreed to make another three Call of Duty games available on both PlayStation and Xbox consoles. These games are said to be Modern Warfare 2 from Infinity Ward, which is due out at the end of this year, a new game from Black Ops developer Treyarch, which is a due out next year and Warzone 2 which is also said to be planned for release in 2023 so all right let's try to digest this very Call of Duty centric this very Call of Duty and PlayStation centric extension of this massive story we're still tackling and then we'll get into some more extended thoughts I have about the deal all in a in a more holistic sense so here's the thing 
Sony, let's go back to Sony's quote because I find that to be the most interesting because Phil Spencer, I have a hard time finding anything Phil Spencer says to be too interesting because Phil Spencer is the king of saying a lot of things and saying nothing at all at the same time, which we'll get into later when one of you guys wrote a really good comment about that. But Sony, let, let me read Sony's point again. They say, we expect that Microsoft will abide by contractual agreements that continue to ensure Activision games are multi-platform. So I, I read this as they're specifically talking about, as we all know, PlayStation and Activision have had a partnership basically since uh, well, the first game was Black Ops 3. So 2015, they've had this partnership, this marketing partnership where Call of Duty and PlayStation are butt buddies. PlayStation is the home of Call of Duty from a marketing standpoint. Yes, even though Microsoft gets all the shit because back in the day in the Xbox 360 era, Xbox was the home of Call of Duty. Well, not anymore. It's been this way for quite a while where it's PlayStation and it's gotten to the point, you know, the 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 partnership, the buddy-buddy contract has gotten so obnoxious and egregious that in recent years we've seen things where like Modern Warfare 2019 and Black Ops Cold War had exclusive game modes on PlayStation. So they literally locked out content from PC and Xbox players. That's how gross this, this contract has gotten. Now, luckily we've seen them roll that back because Vanguard actually didn't have any exclusive content for PlayStation or at least not like, like game mode content like that. But this is important to note because obviously... PlayStation has a contractual agreement with Activision surrounding Call of Duty that extends beyond simply just marketing. Simply, you know, more than just when a Call of Duty commercial airs, it plays the PlayStation logo. Or when a new game is announced, it gets an extended look at Sony's E3 press conference or whatever the fuck it is they do now to talk about games. So it goes beyond that. And obviously these deals are made with a lot of a lot of time in mind. So just because Xbox is acquiring Activision now-ish doesn't mean that there aren't pre-existing contracts that extend further out. And I wouldn't be surprised if you'd asked me before any of these statements were even made, I would have said, I wouldn't be surprised to see that PlayStation has an agreement with Activision for Call of Duty to be butt buddies with PlayStation for the entire duration of the PlayStation 5 life cycle. So that was my initial assumption. But judging by what we're getting here now uh, from this Bloomberg reporting, it seems like, and maybe this makes a little more sense because PlayStation does usually like to be a little more in the here and now, a little more like immediate kind of with their with their partnerships and not commit to crazy big things for too long because obviously perception of developers and publishers change constantly and things that are in or out are constantly evolving. So probably makes sense to not commit to too much of any one thing at once. But according to this Bloomberg reporting, it seems like as of now, they've probably been making these agreements on it in like small chunks. But as of now, it looks like to what we know, the extent of this partnership is the next three Call of Duty games. And I say three with an asterisk because they're not talking about Call of Duty 2022, 2023, and 2024. They're talking about Call of Duty 2022, 2023. And what we started to see making the news rounds this week is Warzone 2, which is basically a sequel to Warzone, the popular Battle Royale mode. So this is not like, from what we're getting from early reporting, and I saw a lot of like, what is it, Charlie Intel or whatever, like a lot of those uh, those Call of Duty Twitter accounts and fan websites that follow news and things like that. A lot of them talking about how this isn't like Fortnite jumping from season one to season two or whatever. What do they call it in Fortnite? They call it chapter two, chapter three. This isn't like that. It's not like the same game in evolving into a new form. It is like, it's more like, going from Call of Duty's Blackout uh, Battle Royale mode to Warzone, where it's like we're literally abandoning the old Battle Royale mode and creating a completely new one. So 
this room all but confirmed, you know, rumored Warzone 2 will essentially be a new version of Warzone, a, a replacement of the current Warzone. Um, it'll be a sequel to built on modern console architecture. So Xbox Series X, PlayStation 5, more high-end PCs. And it will be based on Modern Warfare 2, the game coming out later this year's, you know, again, another thing that's all but confirmed. But Modern Warfare 2's engine and 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 tech so that we can have a more modern next gen ish experience for warzone so that is three games but only takes place over a two-year span so that's a lot of information at once obviously because it's news about new call of duty content but it's news about what this contract looks like and what that leaves us is this kind of big question mark of okay well what does that mean for call of duty beginning in 2024 because it sounds like this year next year We'll get Call of Duty as we're used to seeing it, where you know ads are going to run saying buy it on PlayStation, and the games are going to come to PlayStation. You're going to get the same product on both platforms, and they'll probably continue with the Call of Duty Vanguard trend of keeping the content even on all platforms. So we'll probably see all of that continue to be. But 2024, not too far away in the grand scheme of things. That's when the big question comes to light of, okay, is Call of Duty going to be Xbox exclusive? Is it going to be multi-platform? It's hard to say because, again, you know, Phil Spencer's quote, you can't you, you can't take it at face value because it could be it mis, misconstrued a million different ways. He says, had good calls with Sony's leaders, this blah, 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 can't confirm our intent to honor all existing agreements upon acquisition of Activision Blizzard and our desire to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation. So it's an important part of our industry and we value our relationship. So obviously, I, the, the thing that stands out there to me is our intent to honor all existing agreements upon acquisition, which is what we just talked about, the next three Call of Duty games. But what that doesn't cover is what happens next. Now, you could say, well, he says here, Sony's a part of, part of an industry, keep Call of Duty on PlayStation, value our relationship. So probably keep Call of Duty on PlayStation, definitely. That's the camp I fall into, but that's that's the problem with this story, as well as anything revolving or, or centered around this Activision acquisition with Xbox, is that all of these arguments have equal opposite, you know, rebuttals and, 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 and alternate perspectives and takes because all of this information is just so fucking crazy. And there's so many ways any of this could go and no one saw any of this coming that I think we're in a, we're in such a unique situation in gaming right now. The likes we haven't seen probably since like the NES or SNES days where it's just like, I don't know, this could go in any direction, honest to God. And, and, and no one would be any more right or wrong than anyone else, to be honest. But that being said, I do have a, I have a personal feeling or I'd say a pretty good hunch. I know which way this is going to go. And that is what I said last week, which is I truly believe Call of Duty is going to be Xbox's next Minecraft where yes, they own it. Yes, it, it existed on other platforms before. And no, Xbox is not about to take it away from anyone. I see a lot of people saying, well, maybe what they'll do is Call of Duty's campaign and multiplayer and zombies, that package will come exclusively to Xbox, but Warzone will remain multi-platform. Kind of like Elder Scrolls Online, where you can you know play Elder Scrolls Online on PlayStation, but the next Elder Scrolls game is not coming to PlayStation. It's probably going to be Xbox exclusive. Okay, I, I understand why people are making, you know, people are following the the template of what they're doing with um, Bethesda and applying it to Activision. But I really, like I said, I really think this is more of a Minecraft situation where Call of Duty makes way too much fucking money to just be like, yeah, we're going to buy uh, Activision for $70 billion roughly and then take the best-selling game of the year and just lock it out 
of the most successful home console on the market. You are because remember, Sony gets thirty percent of every every game sold on the on the marketplace, and the publisher gets the other seventy percent. So Microsoft is leaving seventy percent of every copy of Call of Duty sold on PlayStation on the table by not selling the game on PlayStation. They're also making themselves look like bad guys. They're also putting a target on their back by saying, oh yeah, 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 we bought Activision so we could take away this game that is so intrinsic to the to the PlayStation ecosystem. This is literally exactly what everyone feared is companies like Microsoft are going to buy shit to take it away from others rather than diversifying their portfolio by building cool new studios and making cool new IP. No one ever saw coming like we hope to see with companies like The Initiative. What this would be is a realization of, yeah, Xbox has big money, so they bought, you know, the biggest name in gaming and they're taking it away from everyone. So that would just be really bad optically for Xbox. And again, this is the the, the thing of you can argue this in any direction and you're not wrong because this makes an equal amount of sense in both in both directions where you see the argument. Xbox didn't spend 60, 69 billion dollars on Activision so that they could continue to put Call of Duty on the competitor's platform. It's like, oh, okay, that makes yeah, that makes sense. Like, why would you buy that if you're gonna change absolutely nothing? It's like you would buy that because you want an exclusive, you want to have it all to yourself. Like that, yeah, that's the point of buying Call of Duty. But conversely, it's like Xbox didn't <laughs> Microsoft didn't spend $69 billion roughly on Activision so that they could block themselves out of all the fucking money they would make back from putting <laughs> putting Call of Duty on PlayStation. So it, it, it's hard. There's so many ways you can look at it because there's always the perspective of, well, actually, Microsoft is sitting on so much money. They have so much... Uh, they have so much cash on hand that it's actually, and it's actually something I saw in a random ass YouTube comment. I, I didn't see any media outlet reporting on this. I didn't see any like pundit say tweet this out or anything like that. I saw this from a random person in a in a YouTube comment, and I thought this is one of the, the most poignant things that had been said that I don't think any of us had really considered, which is that Microsoft is sitting on so much cash right now, like like literally like billions of billions. I think they're they're valued right now at three at three trillion, if I'm not mistaken. But I, I don't. That's not how much cash they have on hand, but they have an absurd amount of cash, like a disgusting amount of cash in a time where inflation is completely fucked. Like if you're Microsoft, you don't want to be sitting on this money at a time where the dollar is worth a lot less and your money's going to go a lot less further than than it otherwise would. So you might as well spend it and invest that and try to get some assets out of that. And and I just read this random person's YouTube comment. I'm like Dude, that's a fucking genius. That's actually that's a really really good point right now when you consider the economic situation we're in uh, right now <laughs> due to COVID and everything. It's like, yeah, my I, I'm sure people at Microsoft, you know the 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 number crunchers and the investors are probably looking at that that war chest of money that Microsoft has, saying you need to do something with this money. And and you look at things that Microsoft's being really aggressive about growing. Game Pass, their gaming division. So yeah, it kind of makes sense that they'd be interested in making this purchase. So in a way, you'd almost see them being like, well, they had money to burn. They had tons of money to burn and they are in a financial position where they can be high risk, high reward, and they can make really unconventional moves. So maybe, yeah, maybe they do want to gatekeep things like Call of Duty from PlayStation players. But at the same time, it's like no smart company, and Microsoft is clearly a smart company. That's why they're Microsoft. That's why they are where they are today. No smart company would spend that kind of money on something like Activision to get something as lucrative as Call of Duty just to keep it away from its highest best-selling platform. So again, there's a million ways you can interpret that. I don't think there's any right or wrong answer. My personal 
real feeling, my gut feeling on this, is that Call of Duty is just like Minecraft, is going to stay on PlayStation complete package. There's not going to be any more. I don't think we're going to see any more exclusive bullshit this platform or that platform, but I do think Call of Duty is going to be available on PlayStation in its full complete package just the way it is today. The only real dif difference is going to be that Call of Duty is obviously going to be in Game Pass, which is going to be that situation of like, sure, PlayStation players, go spend $70 on the next uh, on the next Call of Duty game. You go do that, you fucking idiots. We over here on Xbox, on PC, we're just going to enjoy having it included in our subscription service that we already pay for because value is fucking amazing and that's all you get with Game Pass. So, Again, and, and, and let that kind of speak for itself. And I, I think that's what we're what we're looking at here. But, of course, I could be wrong. So that is the further development on Call of Duty and how that property, you know, arguably the biggest property, is impacted as a result of this, of this acquisition. Now, the other big thing, of course, is King with Candy Crush and all that shit. Obviously, that was the other big reason probably to buy Activision, but we're not going to get into that because... <clears throat> We're not here to talk about mobile gaming. I don't have much to say on that. Personally, I, I really just don't care. If Xbox wanted to get in on Activision because they wanted King, because they wanted a bigger footprint in the mobile space, my only reaction is, uh, I don't care. <laughs> I don't. I really don't care. So that is the new development on the Call of Duty situation. Next, I want to jump into, now that I've had a week to marinate on it and think about it, my extended thoughts on what this acquisition means and how I feel about it, you know, a, a, a kind of gut check now that we've had some time to sit with this news. And then I want to jump into your guys' feedback and comments about it as well. All right, so the more and more I think about this acquisition, this crazy, crazy bombshell news story, and what all it means, and why it's happening, and how this affects us, and if it's good or bad, and all these things we we see everyone just going crazy on YouTube and Twitter and on the internet at large. I, 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 got, I got to say that my big thing that I can't get over is how much I don't love this situation. I really don't. And I'm, I'm so conflicted about it because I see so many people overwhelmingly being positive on this situation, on this story. And I try to understand this perspective because one, I just know I'm, genu I'm generally a pretty mean-spirited, shithead pessimist. And I hate that about myself quite often. And I, and I envy people's ability to just Kind of seemingly blindly just be happy and optimistic about shit all the time. But I, I feel I, I can't get over the fact that I feel like there's just so much misguidedness in the kind of celebratory reaction we're seeing to the story because I can't stop seeing this as a bad thing for the most part. Now, I understand before we get into that, because I, I understand to defend those who are really happy about this. I understand that first and foremost, I think the people, at least with good intentions, and the people with reasonable reactions or who are positive, who have reasonable takes on, on the positivity, I think this is coming from a place of relief for the people who work for Activision Blizzard, relief for the developers and the, the staff and the producers and the and the QA testers and, you know, everyone from the the janitors at these, at these facilities to the HR to whatever. Think about all the verticals, all the parts of these of these companies that that comprise the workforce right people i think are overwhelmingly happy for these people the workers of these companies because obviously activision has been all over the news you know for for a reason and obviously it's it's not great what's going on over there so i understand for a lot of people this is the thing of hey xbox is famously known as a really great place to work people love working for xbox they they have a much better company culture especially modern xbox where it seems like the approach for a lot of these teams is very much like 
upper management goes to developer and says, what is on your mind? What is in your heart? What do you want to create? What do you want to put out in this world? Developer pitches idea. Uh, Higher ups at Xbox say, that's awesome. Go make that game. And that's kind of the story. And I understand that if we can apply that to Activision, we have a much better Activision. And I think that's awesome that people are walking away from this news that really should only concern us as consumers in, in the way that games and we love games and we want games but the fact that people are willing to interpret this news as really good for the people behind the games people who make the games that's awesome i love to see that that amount of empathy and humanity that's really really awesome the problem is this is beyond that because that's that's looking at everything in a very immediate short-term way looking at solving an immediate problem with an immediate solution and ignoring all the other factors and that's the thing i cannot get over is the fact that this is a massive corporation buying another massive corporation and becoming even bigger and shrinking the market even more and controlling even more of the games industry. And I'm not talking about the monopoly thing because I'm so tired of hearing people argue about the whole, well, Xbox is a monopoly or Xbox isn't a monopoly or, you know, they're, they're on their way to sh- shut up. I don't, this isn't even about a monopoly. This is just like, just forget that word for the context, uh, for the purpose of what I'm, what I'm trying to say here, which is that the games industry is not as, it's not as big as people pretend it is. Okay. There's not that many play. There aren't that many players. When you think about the big, the big, or the biggest players, right? In the traditional sense, it really is Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo. And of course, we've seen it kind of evolve and get weird with these conglomerates buying shit up. So we've got Embracer Group, we've got Tencent these days, and then you've got big publishers underneath the traditional three, like your Ubisofts and EAs and Activisions, and then you got smaller teams below that, like the independent publisher developers, like like a fucking. Remedy in, in 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 like Insomniac before they were purchased by Sony and things like that. And then below that, you got the indie developers. And even within the indie scene, there's things like people we call independent developers who aren't really independent developers, like Yacht Club, who publish and develop their own games and are pretty well off these days. And then there's like the little indie developers where it's like legitimate, like two best friends are making a game in a basement and then hopefully making it big one day. So we have such a wide gamut and spectrum. But when you really think about it and put it all together, the games industry is not that big. And so to take Activision, something as big as Activision, something that makes some of the the biggest games, takes the most attention, the biggest amount of dollars away from the market, and you put that and lump it into Xbox, which is one of the other biggest things in the industry that takes the most amount of attention and money away from the consumer, and you just put that together and say, this is now one, you are shrinking the industry, you're making it harder for new people to get involved, and you're creating more of a one culture system. And there are reasons why that matters at the end of the day. And I, I was thinking a lot about this. I, in fact, I was thinking about it so much the other day. I was on like a walk at night and I was just, I just kept thinking about this and thinking about this. I had to pull out my phone and like do a voice recorder note to like jot all these thoughts down as I was having them because I didn't want to, I didn't want to miss some of the points I want to bring up right now, which is that big corporations are just straight up bad. And I'm not, and this isn't like anti-consumerism, anti-capitalist, just whatever, just spouting out because I'm a young liberal or whatever. This is, this is objectively bad and I'll even defend it and get into it. And I'm sorry that I always bring up Disney, but we got to bring up Disney because it truly is the absolute best example of what's going on right now. You guys know I love Disney. I always, we always goof and joke about how I love the theme parks and all that stuff. But I, I really do love Disney. When you look at Disney, if you've ever been to a Disney theme park, Disneyland, Disney World, wherever the fuck it is, these parks are amazing. I often say the reason why I love Disney is because I truly believe going to a Disney theme park, experiencing a Disney theme park, is the greatest product on the face of the earth. 
That and probably like the iPhone. These are like the highest quality, highest, uh, most intentfully uh, over-designed, thoughtful and creative products that exist in the world today. And that's why I love Disney so much is because I remember going to a Disney where, you know, it's not the cheapest thing in the world, but what you pay is totally worth it. There's so much high quality, so much good in, in what you get. Disney parks used to have, you know, it's a theme park, so food's expensive, but world-class dining. You know, it's a it's a resort, so the cost of like a hotel is expensive, but the theming and the service and, and how much entertainment and shit there was to do was way worth it. All the perks of staying at a hotel, way worth it. Disney theme parks, of course, it's more expensive than your local Six Flags or whatever local equivalent of, a, of an amusement park you might have in your hometown, but... You go to Magic Kingdom, you go to Disneyland, you see the castle, you ride Small World, you go on Space Mountain for the first time, it immediately clicks. You don't need someone to explain to you, it just clicks, because the quality of that product is absolutely there and it speaks for itself. Disney is a company that has been in decline for quite a while, and this is a huge thing in the Disney fan space, and to the, fa- to the point where you see it start to spill out into the mainstream, because Disney is a mega corporation that completely sucks these days. No, you know, like they, 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 they're absolutely the worst. They have this modern mentality that corporations have of completely just appealing to shareholders, more money, more money, more money, grow, grow, grow. And they're constantly looking for more ways to get into new ventures, to earn more money, to milk more other fans, to find new avenues of making money and it sucks and the company's suffering as a result of it this is why you see disney bought marvel disney bought star wars okay well those two we can kind of live with because in a way you can kind of make sense of them and fit them in with disney and we all moved on it's okay and then disney built uh, disney bought 20th century fox and it's like okay that that one i can't even remotely stand behind and we talked about this last week I view Xbox buying Activision as Disney buying 20th Century Fox. I don't give a shit what kind of mental gymnastics you want to do. You cannot convince me in any way, shape, or form that there is a natural relationship, a natural evolution or world where it makes sense for these two companies to merge into one. It does not make sense. It isn't within the spirit or the culture of the company. It is simply just a big-ass company with way too much money and way too much power buying another big-ass company that's slightly less powerful and slightly less rich, but now bringing them together to be one that's that makes this new, bigger company even more wealthy, even more powerful, even more in control of everything. And I'm sorry, but the, the, the industries Disney dominates have become less interesting. And I always speak from the perspective of a theme park fan because that's why I love Disney for the most. I'm not really a Disney fan because I love, you know, Beauty and the Beast or whatever, but because I love their theme parks. But you look at it and it affects them everywhere. Disney's had increasingly shittier CEOs. Their current CEO is famously an absolute piece of crap. He's like the Bobby Kotick of fucking Disney, essentially, not not for the harassment claims, but more so for him just being a, a, a shitty suit who's milking the fucking company for everything it's worth and doesn't understand the artistic intent of anything they have under their belt or their ownership. But you're seeing Disney theme parks are becoming more expensive. Disney hotels are becoming more expensive. Disney restaurants are becoming more expensive. The quality of all these things deteriorating. The, ex- the guest experience deteriorating. More money, less quality. More money, fewer perks. You're seeing this with their movies. Disney doesn't take risks and do anything. Marvel makes money, they make more Marvel. Star Wars makes money, even though everyone agrees everything Star Wars these days fucking sucks, they make more Star Wars. They they don't have a creative fucking bone in their body when it comes to their live action movies, so what do they do? Eh, they just remake old shit, but now it's CGI or whatever. It doesn't matter. You'll go see it. That fucking Will Smith Aladdin movie sucked, and everyone watched it. End of discussion, right? And 
we see Disney is just a company that is in constant decline. Okay, that's a long detour, right, to try to make a point. But I want to apply that to Xbox now. I want to apply that to Microsoft now. I do not think right now Xbox is Disney. I don't think Microsoft is Disney at all. I think Microsoft is actually probably at the highest high they've ever been at. Because you look at their brands, Windows is awesome right now. Windows 10 was great. Windows 11 just came out. It's great. Azure is great. It's like cloud services and solutions are changing the computing world as we know it. It's changing the tech industry. It's fucking awesome. And Azure is at the forefront of this. It's very great. Awesome. Office, Windows, all the shit, great. Surface, I would argue the most interesting and coolest high quality, high end consumer tech devices. We're talking about phones and laptops and computers, whatever. Surface is fucking awesome. Two thumbs up. I love it. I'll always miss you, Windows Phone. Got to throw one out there for you. I wish you were here. I'm tearing up just thinking about you, but let's move on. Xbox. Xbox is at, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's coming back. It's becoming cool again. Xbox One completely dropped the fucking ball, but Series X, Series S, Game Pass, Xbox is back and everyone fucking loves it. Microsoft as a whole is at an all-time high. Teams right now, the fucking the fact that they were able to have teams and not have it be a flop and they're competing with Zoom and they're dominating this work from home market and they're and they're making themselves even more absolutely necessary and critical for for enterprise in the workplace. Microsoft is absolutely on top right now. But Disney was once on top. When I was a kid, Michael Eisner was the CEO of the Walt Disney Company, and Disney was fucking awesome. If you were a kid, it was super cool. If you were an adult, it was super cool. All their products were awesome. Their movies were awesome. Everything at Disney was just fucking cool all the time. It just always was. The best quality products. No movies were as good as Disney movies. No theme parks were as good as Disney theme parks. No contest whatsoever. But then Bob Iger got in charge, and things were more or less good, but not as good. And now Bob Chapek is in charge of the company, and things kind of suck. Disney kind of sucks right now. And that's the thing is Xbox is great or Microsoft is great right now because Satya Nadella, you know, he's, I, I don't know, I'm a Balmer guy myself, but but Satya Nadella, he gets it. He gets the company. He's he's good at taking risks where they matter and he's good at letting these, he's good at letting his teams do what they need to do and exercise their creative ability. And I'm really shocked for a guy who's leading such a big, powerful company. I'm really shocked Satya Nadella is letting Microsoft be as interesting as they are right now. And Phil Spencer, let's really tie this back to gaming now. Phil Spencer is the best thing that ever happened to Xbox, hands down. Aside from Xbox being a thing that got invented and happened in Xbox Live and all that shit, Phil Spencer is the best thing that happened to Xbox, hands down. But here's my point is Phil Spencer has a shelf life because everyone does. Everyone has to retire or die or something at some point. They cannot be around forever. Michael Eisner is no longer the CEO of the Walt Disney Company. Frank Wells, who was like his partner in crime, uh, unfortunately, tragically passed away in the middle of his tenure with the company. And Disney started going down when they were gone. And it's just that simple. Although, whatever, Michael Eisner, apparently, whatever. There's, don't ask Disney fans. They, they'll, they'll, they'll have something else to say. But that's what happened to Disney. And now Disney sucks. Guess what? One day Phil Spencer can go away. One day Satya Nadella can go away and new people can be in charge. May I remind you of a man by the name of Don Matrix who worked at Xbox actually before Phil Spencer worked there. He introduced the world to a little console called the Xbox One. And even though I love the Xbox One and many of you listening to this podcast probably love the Xbox One, the world did not love the Xbox One. And Xbox looked like a little bitch from 2013 onward and it is still facing repercussions and issues and hurdles to this day because of that man and because of that console and because of that leadership's vision for the company and the brand and all these things. And here's my point. If Xbox owns Activision, the industry is smaller, but 
it's like a lot smaller because this isn't Bethesda. This is like the most important IP in the industry. Call of Duty, you don't have to love it. It's like the most important video game in the industry right now. Uh, Overwatch, StarCraft, Warcraft, all these games, these are huge fucking games. King, the biggest name in, in, in the mobile space, the, the company that makes all, all the money that exists on mobile phones right now as pertains to gaming, this is all under Xbox now. And even though I have full confidence in Phil Spencer right now, today, in the year 2022, I don't have complete blind fanboy confidence for Xbox five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. I don't know what that looks like. Phil Spencer talks about how they see the rising threat of what's happening in the games industry. And they're not looking at themselves as competitors against Nintendo or Sony. They look at themselves as competitors to... Google and Amazon and Apple and Tencent. And yeah, if we're talking about that, Phil Spencer, I, I, I get what you're saying and I agree with you. I would rather see Microsoft, you know, a company with big money like Amazon, like Tencent, be the ones to swoop in and try and protect the industry and stop things from happening and stop nefarious forces from getting involved and fucking things up. I would much prefer it coming from Xbox and Microsoft than coming from Amazon or Tencent or Google or Apple. I agree. You know, Apple doesn't get enough uh, enough credit for how much they fucked up gaming, but Apple is probably one of the com- probably like I, I I don't know. There are very few companies you can give as much um, credit to for completely fucking over the games industry as much as Apple did. Because in 2008, they launched the App Store for iPhone and, and iOS devices and iPod Touch or whatever. And that forever fucked over gaming. You want to know why we talk about microtransactions and loot boxes and battle passes and NFTs and all that bullshit in gaming to this day? It's because of Apple. It's because Apple fucked everything up. They said, we have our own marketplace. And games were a dollar, two dollars, five dollars, and people bought them. And it was like, cute. I play this game where you cut the rope and the little monster eats the lollipop. That's cute. And then someone was like, hey, I I know how to get my game even more attention. I'm going to make it free, but I'm going to load it with shitty ads. And it's not even going to be a good game, but because it's free, people will download it because the install base of this platform is so fucking high. And then we began this race to the bottom where every game was like free to download ads out the ass buy this you like the first three levels that were free why don't you unlock a level pack why don't you buy this thing oh wait the, the game is actually run out of energy you can't play for another 45 minutes unless you want to watch an ad or spend two dollars and mobile gaming is complete ass because apple sucked they did a terrible job of maintaining and managing their ecosystem that they created, and it got out of whack because, obviously, iOS is a massive, massive fucking platform because smartphones, because everyone needs a phone in their pocket, that it created the template for Google to use, and Google, of course, did absolutely no better than Apple did, and so you have the Google Play Store, which is also complete ass, arguably worse than the Apple um, App Store, and so between Google and Apple... Gaming fucking sucks, and that stuff had a trickle-out effect, and now we see it invading gaming, where everything's got to be like, how can we get more money than the $60 people spend? Well, let's make games free-to-play, and then we'll ask for battle passes and season content and downloadable this and that and make your character look like an anime skin and all this shit. We'll put Attack Attack on Titan inside of Call of Duty. Kids like that, and we see this race to the bottom, and Apple fucked everything up. And Tencent... We talk about ad nauseum, so I won't get into it, but the CD, really creepy, communist Chinese money, don't want that. Fucking Amazon, a company with more money than they'll ever know what to do with, they just want to be involved in this industry because there's money to be made. There's no telling how much Amazon could fuck this up. The point is, maybe Amazon could be the saving grace of gaming, who knows, but they are not a part of this industry and they don't have pure 
good intentions for getting involved. They could just jump in and make everything way worse. Who knows? Maybe we'll see Amazon buy PlayStation or some shit, and we'll get to find out how that works, right? But the point is, yes, if it has to be one of the mega tech companies, I guess Microsoft is the best one because they were already involved in gaming and they already had good people who knew what they were doing. And thanks to Xbox being around since the PlayStation 2 era, we have an X, a Microsoft that understands and curates and, and works with gaming in a way that is a lot more respectful to our industry and a lot more respectful to the consumers and the developers that doesn't just rake people over the coals and fucking rape us in the butts and ruin gaming the way Apple and Google allowed it to happen on their platforms, the way Tencent and Amazon would probably know, know <laughs> what absolutely love to allow to happen under their control. So yes, I get that argument. I get that point. But I don't think any one company should be in a position where they can self-appoint, uh, be self-appointed as the arbiters of the industry. We are the good ones. We are the elites. No, that no, no one is good enough. No one is worthy enough to be that. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily what Phil Spencer is saying is that we are the, the arbiters of the game industry. We know what's best. We know how to preserve and protect it. But in a way, that is what they're saying because they're saying, well, guys, we're in bed yeah, we're, we're, we're involved in the games industry in a way that the other big tech companies aren't. And Sony, Nintendo, you know, maybe they would like to be able to do something to fight back. But let's be honest, Sony and Nintendo aren't companies that have the kind of money to fight off companies like Google and Amazon. There's not much they could do about it. But Microsoft is that perfect in-between where we know gaming the way Sony does, the way Nintendo does. But we also have the backup and the funding like the Amazons and the Googles and the Apples and the Tencents of the world. So let us be the ones to kind of stop those guys from getting involved and protect the industry. We will buy up the Activisions before they can. We will create Game Pass and penetrate the market with streaming services that dominate before they can. Because that way it preserves a gaming culture that we know, we love, we trust. And it keeps it among the people who know how to handle it. The Sonys, the EAs, the Microsofts, the App or the um, Nintendos, et cetera, et cetera. I get that argument. And I again, this is what I'm saying. That is a very nice short-term solution that has serious long-term ramifications. Because again, the next guy that runs Xbox, the next guy that runs Microsoft might not be a Phil Spencer. It might not be a gamer who came from within and rose up the ranks. It might be another Don Matrix. It might be worse. It might be a very Apple guy. It might be a Tencent guy. Because remember, Microsoft is a company that is publicly traded and run by its investors. And these guys that are great today, coincidentally, won't be there forever. And like we saw with Disney, the good guys have a shelf life. And they will go away and the company will change. Let me ask you this one more time before we get off this subject. How many of you guys hated Activision 20 years ago when they were making awesome PlayStation 1 games and awesome N64 games and then they started making awesome PS2 games and and everything and no one knew who Bobby Kotick was because we weren't that involved in in the back end of the games industry and all we knew was Activision was this brand that had Neversoft and Treyarch and all these teams and they made cool Spider-Man games and they made all these awesome licensed games and their games were fun and cool and awesome and then later they made Guitar Hero and we all thought that was awesome and uh, oh yeah, Activision's awesome. Only recently do we hate Activision. Now how many people hate Microsoft right now? Or Xbox rather. Not many because Xbox is out there giving the most the most fanfare, the most quality or the, the most value and they're listening and responding to their audience better than anyone else. Xbox is just so on top. But remember like five years ago when everyone hated Xbox? Okay, 
So that's my point is that these companies can change. These companies will change. I love the idea that Microsoft can come in right now and help fix the woes of Activision and make it a better place to work for people. And I believe it. I know I all I all I see in this argument is people who work at Microsoft or people who work at Activision who are excited about this because of the way it's going to change their workplace culture and the way it will make a better, more fair, more equal, more equitable workplace for everyone. And I love that. But I don't think we need to have a mega corporation buying out a another massive publisher in order to make that happen. I think we could hold people's feet to the fire and hope to God that maybe Activision can preserve its own unique identity and its own unique culture without having to have Microsoft swoop in and buy it. Because what's going to happen when Xbox owns Activision and and um, Bethesda and more and more and more and there's no one else in the competition because the big corporations have bought out all the talent in the industry. It's going to be impossible for indie developers to ever grow and become anything substantial. It's going to be impossible for other medium to large size companies to be like, you know what we want in this industry and they won't be able to because all the talent is going to be bought out by the the Microsoft's of the, of the industry or the Sony's of the industry. Cause Sony might have to put up and start fucking buying things. Now they, they have to respond to this in some way. And so it's going to create, it's going to force Sony's hand and force this arms race of who can buy it all up. Right. And it's going to make it impossible for anyone else to enter the market. Xbox exists because at some point in history, Microsoft was ballsy enough to be like, you know what? We're just going to fucking do it. We're going to get into the games industry. We're going to try to make a console and see if maybe we can compete in this space. But at this at, at this rate that Xbox is going today where they're just buying everything in the industry, they're blocking out all the medium to large size companies from ever having a praying chance of getting into this. So you can get a very stale games industry where there are three corporations that own it all and no one else is allowed in. And when they, when they have that, they have not a monopoly in the, in the way everyone's arguing online, but they have this, this ability to control the pricing, the quality, the quantity, everything, because it's all coming from the same three sources. It's the problem we have with Disney today. Why are Disney theme parks so overpriced? Why are Disney, why is Why is Disney's hotel so overpriced? Why have all the perks and benefits to going to these places just fallen off the face of the earth? Why are their movies so much less creatively involved? Like, why why can they just make a billion dollars off a fucking cheap-ass CG remake of The Lion King today? Why are they allowed to do this? Because... People keep buying their shit. People keep seeing their movies. People keep going to their theme parks. And yeah, I say this as someone who's guilty of contributing to that. But the thing is, when a few companies own it all and block everyone else from jumping into the competition and being a part of it and competing, they control the price and they control the quality. They control the market. And your only option is to fucking shut up and take it or fuck off. And that's why I hate this is because we're one step closer to Xbox being that. And I don't think it's going to happen today. I don't think it's going to happen next year. And I think as long as Phil Spencer's here, we're pretty good to go. And I think as, you know, for the foreseeable future, we're in good hands. But I'm not so confident in the next guy, the guy that replaces Phil Spencer. I'm not so confident in the guy that replaces Satya Nadella. And I'm not going to put my blind faith and trust into a corporation that is run by money, 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 and numbers and investors and a desire to grow and earn more because that's stupid. And being a fanboy is fucking stupid. And seeing people blindly defend this and talk about how it's nothing but a good thing is fucking stupid. Because it's not all people being like, oh, I'm happy that Raven and and, and Treyarch and all these teams are going to have a better work environment. Blizzard are going to have a better work environment. It's also run by people who are like, 
fuck yeah, Xbox is awesome. They have the games. They're the best place to play. Xbox was good. I feel so incredibly affirmed in making my $500 purchase of an Xbox Series X now because I bought the right one. It's like, fuck, fuck you, man. Literally, fuck you. You're so, you were the problem with everything. Just, man, the worst thing about the internet is everyone has a voice. Am I right? <laughs> no, but I'm sorry. That's, I know that's a lot, but this is the biggest thing happening in Xbox right now. And this is the thing I got to get off my chest. This is the thing I can't stop thinking about. And on top of that, the thing that also rubs me the wrong way is how this all plays into the shit going on with Bobby Kotick, which is that there's no clean way to do this. This isn't me saying, fuck you, Xbox. I hate you. But this is me saying this whole situation actually sucks at the end of the day because the real problem, if we want to talk about the people and the work culture at, at, at Activision and Blizzard, this sucks in a way for those people because the problem is Bobby Kotick. The problem is he was, and you know, in one hand saying how, oh, I, I will be the one to fix these problems. We don't have a, a discrimination problem. We don't have a gender discrimination problem. We don't have a wage issue. We don't have any kind of harassment issue within our company. But if anyone's going to fix anything, it's going to be me because I care the most. And then we get this story from Jen O'Neill over at Active or at, over at Blizzard saying how she's being paid less than fucking Mikey Barra for doing the same exact job because she's a woman and you can't make this shit up. It's it, it's it looks so bad. It's it's cartoonishly bad the way that Activision is just being absolutely the worst and they're getting away with it. And now because of this deal. Bobby Kotek gets protected, gets to stay on board until this acquisition is finished. And then when it's finished, he gets to sell his shares back to the company, make shit tons of money, get tons of severance money and tons of like whatever uh, contractual money. And then he gets to walk clean of any guilt, of any problems, of any accusations because he got bought out. A deal's a deal. All's fair, right? And that drives me nuts because everyone keeps acting like, oh, this is good. Xbox did the good thing. They gave a bunch of money to Activision. And now and now Bobby Kotick's finally going to leave. It's like, no, man, the guy, the guy gets to fucking waltz and dance his way around the corporation and and just lollygag all the way to, to the exit door. He doesn't get to get pulled and dragged and ripped out of the position like he fucking deserves. He doesn't get punished like he fucking deserves. He doesn't get ripped of his money, of his title, of his accolades. Like he fucking deserves for knowing that women were being harassed, sexually harassed, paid less, mistreated in his fucking company, and then covering it up and protecting the people who were doing these crimes onto women, who were who were committing these these acts onto his own staff, for covering this up to protect his bottom line, his company, his money. Fuck him. And no one talks about this. And this deal with Microsoft gives him a the golden parachute, as everyone's saying, right? Gives him a clean way out. And that's just so dirty and so fucked. And the, and the grossest part of all this is like during the acquisition, you know, when the news first broke, Xbox was like, yeah, Bobby Kotick will stay on through the end of the um, acquisition. And then like slowly, you know, outlets and, and, and journalists had to pry and pull to get this fucking confirmation that basically after everything's complete, then Bobby will leave. But Microsoft had no problem being like, yeah, we bought Activision. Oh, and also we're restructuring Microsoft Gaming. And uh, Phil Spencer is now the CEO of gaming at Microsoft. He's no longer head of Xbox. He's the CEO of gaming. And here's the corporate structure of, of the of the higher-ups at Xbox. You can see them all. It's a bunch of men and women with their fucking pronouns attached. We got Phil Spencer, our he-him leader. Uh, we got Matt Booty, our he-him uh, uh, second-in-command. And it's like, 
You fucking assholes. You're just sitting here virtue signaling with all this nonsensical bullshit, pretending to care about social issues and progressions and, and all this all this social bullshit. Meanwhile, your company is basically putting a golden shield around my, uh, around Bobby Kotick as he gets away with all the shit he did and he let happen and run amok at Activision for years and years. But no one wants to talk about that. And that, that shit just drives me nuts. To, to no end, it drives me nuts. And I know there's really nothing you can do about it because it's it, there's no realistic way for Xbox or for Microsoft to, to go over to Activision and be like, okay, here's a deal. We agree to buy you. The deal will go through probably in about the next year or so because you know these things aren't just a fucking cash exchange and you handwrite me a receipt and the deal's a deal. It's That's not how this works. The whole thing's going to take a while. But they can't go over there and just simply be like, all right, here's the deal. Your guy goes right, the, right this fucking second. He gets nothing. He just walks. He's publicly shamed. No one likes him. He gets the worst of it. And then we'll acquire you. That can't happen. I understand it's, it's not realistic. That's not how this works. And that this is probably realistically in a world where everything always benefits the worst people. This is probably the best way it could be handled and the best way it could be dealt with and done. But I, I'm sorry for me that's not enough and I'm not satisfied with this. I'm not satisfied that this is the way Bobby Kotek gets out. And that this is the atmosphere is that two weeks ago, everyone hated Activision, fucking hate Call of Duty, fucking hate Bobby Kotick. Blizzard doesn't even make good games anymore. They don't make games anymore. No one does anything. They have a bunch of IP they don't use. And then a week later, Microsoft's like, uh, so we're buying Activision. Everyone's like, oh, hey, those are my guys over at Activision. I love the he, him, uh, uh, Phil Spencer, who's finally getting rid of Bobby's Kotick. And I really am excited about, oh, did I ever tell you how awesome it is that Call of Duty is coming to Game Pass? And I really hope people who bought a PlayStation because it's the platform they prefer are are no longer able to access this game because I, I think that's fucking awesome. And it's like, fuck all you people. Literally, and I'm not talking to you, the audience, but like this this attitude, this ability, this cognitive dissonance, this ability to be like, yeah, let's champion our fucking brand that doesn't give a shit about you, mind you. Xbox isn't your friend. Xbox is a brand that you, the only reason we should like is because it has personal attachment to us. We have a personal attachment with these games on this platform, playing with our friends and making memories. Not because we support the fucking corporate suits behind the brand that make the decisions, that buy out the talent, that take content away from other platforms, that allow people like Bobby Kotek to be in power and to be filthy fucking rich despite the shit he's done. These aren't the people and the things we should be defending. Okay, it's one thing to be like, I'm a fan of Xbox, so I listen to an Xbox podcast or I play, I, I record an Xbox podcast every week because I love Halo and playing Xbox Live with my friends and these kinds of life memories I've made in this ecosystem. There's a difference between appreciating that and being a fucking cuck to Microsoft, a company who really doesn't give a shit about your existence. They just want your fucking money. And it's just gross to me. So. That, that's my thing. I know it's like so many people have probably lost interest in this podcast the past two weeks from me being this negative about it. Listen, I get the good stuff. With all that out of the way, I, I get it, man. I get it. Phil Spencer mentioned all the old IP. I really hope we get a Guitar Hero 3 remaster. I really hope they bring back Crash and Spyro and Toys for Bob is able to do something cool. And someone out there mentioned, what if Toys for Bob makes a fucking Banjo-Kazooie game? And I was like, that hurts my brain because that's such a good idea. I would absolutely love it. I would that's that'd be awesome. But again, it's like here's another thing I wanna I wanna remind people of. Remember a month ago, like four weeks ago, when <laughs> when Halo Infinite came out and immediately afterwards we got the story about all the 
turmoil and the development hell that that game went through and how Microsoft wouldn't hire sufficient full-time people. So it was always these contract workers coming in and out and thousands of people had their hands on this game and they could never get a really fucking core fundamental team just to work on this game from top to bottom because they were always trying to cost cut and save money and do this effectively by hiring these rotational little outsourced companies and contractors to handle this and that. And the game was in development hell forever. Remember that? That story from like a month ago? Okay, that was Xbox. And I'm not saying Xbox sucks and that they, they have a terrible work environment. I'm sure Xbox is a better place to work than Activision. I'm sure Activision will get a lot better thanks to Xbox coming on board. But they're not perfect. And so what we're doing is we're enabling a big corporation to continue to be big and powerful because right now it's cool to like this brand. It's cool to like this company. And we're allowing a lot of things to go under the radar and get swept under the rug. And it's not, this is, this is why you don't blindly just cuck out to brands. And this is why buying Activision is not great news. It's just news. It's, it's, it's astonishing news. It's incredible. It's crazy news, but it's not necessarily exciting, good, awesome. Let's all cheer and, 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 and celebrate together kind of news. It's really, really not. You just gotta, gotta believe me. Cause I gotta, got a big penis and you gotta believe a guy with the big wiener. All right, I'll leave it at that for now. At the end of the day, man, hey, I hope. I hope all this goes best case scenario. I hope Xbox really is like, you know what? Call of Duty can go to an every other year release schedule and we can take some of these teams off. And Raven, you can go make a game since you're way too talented to just be support on fucking Call of Duty. And, and Neversoft, you can come back from the dead and, and f everyone go make a game you want to make. You know, go be like Double Fine, go be like Obsidian, go be like any of these other teams at Xbox that, that get, get to go be creative and do what they want to do. I would love that, but I just don't, <laughs> I'm not convinced it's a guarantee, but I, yeah, I, yes, Game Pass is about to get even more value. It's about to be even cooler to be an Xbox gamer. And guys, don't forget, now available in the Xbox merch store for 40 fucking dollars, you can buy a Made in Sweatshop China t-shirt that has an Xbox logo on it and says hashtag power your dreams. Don't fucking forget, guys. Everything's awesome. Now with all that bleak, negative bullshit out of the way, let's, let's try to celebrate this and have some fun about it. Because remember, like I said... Xbox is cool because, you know, the, the community and the friends and, and, the, and the times we had together. So let's take it to the community where you guys are a lot less dire and sad and see what you guys have to say about the acquisition and, and your concerns and observations because you guys have some interesting thoughts. So Headhunting Halo writes in and says, I can officially say that Sony is getting runned into the Earth's core now. I was so excited when I heard this news. As an Xbox fan, it feels so good. $70 billion is chump change to Microsoft also Come and do my laundry. I'm tired of doing it every day. Headhunting Halo, send me that address. I'm on my way to help you do your laundry. I hope you're not washing your whites with your colors because I don't I don't want your white work t-shirts to get blue and pink and all that shit on them. You know it's going to look bad. You know your boss is going to say something, so let me know. But Headhunting Halo, as you can probably tell from what I just tirated about, I don't share your same sentiment at all, even remotely, about, about this news. But again... I'm not trying to take away people's excitement and happiness. If this is really awesome news to you, if this makes you happy, I'm happy for you, buddy. The thing is, it's like there was there was a reason behind Bethesda. You know, Xbox talked about the whole history with these brands and tying it all together and building up the family. You know, it's like Star Wars and Disney kind of made sense. I'm sorry, but 20th century here. I, I, I searched 20th Century Fox movie. Here is an, a random Cineblend article. It says 20, uh, 10 best movies from 20th Century Fox. Let's scroll and hit a random one. Die Hard. Number five, Die Hard. Yes, I'm so happy Disney bought 20th Century Fox because Die Hard reminds me so much of Disney. Every time I'm on Main Street USA, 
listening to the sounds, enjoying the smells, looking at the castle and watching Mickey and friends parade down the street as as families make memories that will last a lifetime. I think to myself, God damn, I sure wish Disney had Die Hard because I think John McClane would really be an awesome addition to this park. I just want to see him with guns in his hands, running around, shooting at people, jumping out of buildings, and being a fucking badass with his t-shirt off of his body so his uh, beautiful abs can glisten in this hot Florida sun. Oh my God, Die Hard, quintessential Disney movie, the end. That's Activision in a nutshell. So fucking glad the anime titty porn Overwatch game is now in the same fucking family with uh, Grab by the Ghoulies and, and Forza Motorsport. Oh boy. Liquid Cube writes in, first time writer. Thank you, Liquid Cube. Glad to see you here. Yo, Jesse James, after a long time, wasn't so much hype for the Microsoft acquisition after so much time. Blizzard games coming to Game Pass, maybe even WoW and StarCraft spinoffs. Who knows what the what's coming in the future? Have fun with the new Call of Duties and maybe even Zombies-themed COD titles as Game Pass Day 1s. I would love it if they just made Zombies a fucking platform and stopped tying it to games like Warzone because Zombies should just be a fucking platform at this point. Uh, Mr. Miggy writes in and says, Dang it, Jesse. Now I have no Xbox on podcast to listen to on Sunday, so now I get to comment early. I don't think this acquisition was Phil Spencer's idea because I can't imagine any top executive at Microsoft going up to Satya Nadella and suggesting buying a company for $69 billion. This definitely has to do more with the game, has to do with more than just gaming. And I do think that it was Nadella's idea. Mr. Miggy, I think this is a good point. I do think it has a lot to do with gaming, and I think it has a, a lot more to do with opportunity and timing more than anything. I think this is Xbox is in a, a situation where they're really trying to grow as big and as fast as possible. Microsoft has so much money on hand that they that they need to spend, as we talked about. And Activision is in a really bad PR state right now where the company is at an all-time low and you could probably negotiate to buy them for way less than they're actually worth. So I think the stars aligned on this one. And I don't know who at Microsoft had the idea, if it was Phil or Satya or someone else, but I think whoever had this idea, it was it was more of a, the stars are aligning. We don't really know why we're buying them. We don't know what to do. We don't really have a vision yet. But again, like Disney buying 20th Century Fox, it's like, hey, we have money. They exist. We become bigger if we absorb them. Let's fucking do it. And so, yeah, I think Microsoft is basically just kind of figuring out what this acquisition means while it's happening. And I think that's why there's so much vagueness about all of this shit, aside from the fact that obviously it's, you know, there's a lot of factors playing into what's going on here. And I guess technically this deal could get shut down, although I don't think it's going to. But yeah, to build off what you're saying, I, I, I yeah, I, I don't think there was a vision. There was a plan. It was just an opportunity was there. And so they took it because they want money. They don't want you to be a, you know, they don't care about you. They don't care about preserving the game space. They just want money. My brother writes in and says, couple of predictions, and keep in mind, some of these comments are old, so they might seem a little dated compared to some of the news we just got, but a couple of predictions, World of Warcraft will be including Game Pass Ultimate, I think that's a good one, normal Call of Duty games will be Xbox exclusive, but Warzone will be cr cr uh, cross-platform forever, uh, I'm finally going to get to play Raven and High Moon games again, Call of Duty will remain annualized, and its dev cycle will not change, this idea would be a fantasy, I, at first, I didn't agree with that, but the more and more I think about it, the more I'm starting to think, unfortunately, you might be right. It might, you know, shareholders are going to be like, like hell, you're going to let Call of Duty take a year off. No fucking way. Not with the kind of money it's still making. Um, my brother also says, oh, remember way back when we were all younger and like, geez, Xbox spent so much money on Bethesda, <laughs> right? 
Dead Captain James, the original commenter, the favorite child, writes in and says, the first thing Papa Phil should do is greenlight a reboot of the prototype franchise. I love this idea. And like I said, Katario 3, we also want that. Uh, Dead Captain James continues on. If I were Phil Spencer, I would keep Warzone and, and its successor on PlayStation, but I would make the mainline COD games exclusive. Then I would market the hell out of COD and get all the normies on Xbox. That's just my thoughts. Hopefully they give the teams more time and incentive for COD again. Or at the very least, I would use Call of Duty revenue to force PlayStation to just let me put Game Pass on PlayStation. And Dead Captain James, I think you just hit on the biggest point that I don't have... I, I keep not mentioning because I just don't feel like I have anything of, of substance to, or a value to really add to this. But I, I, I think that's the end goal or the pie in the sky idea is that they want to get game pass everywhere. Of course, as we know, but they want to get it on PlayStation. I don't know. It's just impossible for me to fathom what this looks like or a world where this happens, even though we live in a world where Microsoft just bought Activision. I still just can't wrap my brain around this idea of Game Pass in any fashion being available on PlayStation. So even though I think you're right in that this is the the ultimate goal, even though it would take years and years to get there, my brain just it just it starts to shut down and stutter every time I start to think of this concept. And so I just have I have nothing to say because I'm like I man, can you fucking imagine Game Pass? I mean the the closest example. Of, of what that is akin to is like when Sega games and Sonic started showing up on Nintendo for the first time. It's just like, n- no, that's weird. But I think you're right. And obviously my brother and Dick Captain James mentioned the whole COD thing. I think they might, they might have different takes now that we've gotten all this COD news since they wrote in, but maybe not. I, I am of the mindset that Call of Duty completely stays multi-platform regardless of Warzone or the regular game, whatever. Uh, my brother continues and says, Five Bucks says that the next two COD games will still have timed exclusivity PlayStation content. Even Every time Microsoft acquires someone, they have to <laughs> they have a commitment to Sony that they must honor. Uh, I would have agreed with you until, until we got the news that it looks like their contract's only for the next few years. And because Vanguard came out a few months ago and didn't have exclusive PlayStation modes or anything like that. So I think it's likely that the next few Call of Duties are probably just on equal footing in all regards. But... um. Yeah, I, obviously you can tell a lot of people want to talk about Call of Duty. All right, we have three more comments about this topic to get into, uh, but these are some chunky ones. So let's just jump into them because these are good. Temple Knight says, so Phil says, had good calls this week with the leaders at Sony. I confirmed our intent to honor all existing agreements upon acquisition of Blizzard and activation. Our desire to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation. Sony's an important part of our industry, blah, blah, blah. I think this means COD remains on PlayStation indefinitely and that Microsoft doesn't see Sony as a real threat, but Google, Amazon, Apple, Netflix maybe? If they wanted to get into the industry or if Activision Blizzard was shopping to them or threatening to, Satya and Phil may have pulled the trigger on Activision to keep further competition from entering the market. Maybe I'm crazy, but it sounds like the investors saw selling as a way to save their money given the amount of downward pressure and stock price. And Microsoft can't have been the only potential buyer in mind. Temple Knight, this is a fantastic comment. And I meant to add this in earlier when we were talking about the news and I fucking messed up and put it down here. So Temple Knight, first of all, I apologize for missing this this comment when it was super poignant to the discussion we were having. And second of all, thank you for succinctly making this argument when it took me like five years to, to try and get to that point. All right, Count Scott is up next and possibly another comment that I should have read earlier, but a really good point I want to, I want to read out here. Phil Spencer's wording to literally everything he says is a thing of beauty. Every line out of his mouth is a handcrafted work of art. Every person in the room hears exactly what they want to hear with no one feeling left out, yet nothing is ever completely finalized and 
and the doors left open for infinite possibilities. <laughs> Amen, Count Skyla. His wording, our desires to keep caught on PlayStation, is genius. Xbox basically becomes a hero for passionately attempting to rake in billions of PlayStation gamers, but it doesn't happen. But if it doesn't happen, this is all going to be Sony's fault. This is pure negotiation power play going down, and Xbox is in the biggest win-win situation I've ever seen. They have to be asking for Game Pass on PlayStation or serious discounts on the fees PlayStation uh, Sony imposes for sales of, on their store. Whatever it is, Call of Duty mainline games end up permanently on PlayStation, there's likely a big concession made on Sony's part. The whole acquisition seems to be more about reminding Sony that they better tread lightly and forcing Apple and Google out before they start to really dig in. And all of this is happening in the background while they're just still bolstering their Game Pass portfolio and keeping the PR clean. I just hope they wield this newfound power responsibly, and I can't wait to see how it all plays out next year. Count Skyla, again, another really good point, saying a lot of things I want to say and even expanding into new territory while keeping it succinct and brief and perfectly put. I love this comment. <laughs> and a couple things, again, while I, you know, who knows what you would say now with the new information we have, but I, I would still say Call of Duty comes to PlayStation exactly as it is, very much Minecraft style. Now, major concessions, that would be crazy if Microsoft tried to strong arm them into maybe like a, you know, every, every Call of Duty sold on PlayStation, you get 15% of the profit instead of 30% or something like that. Uh, if they could work something out like that, that would be insane. Um, but, I mean, I, I, isn't the big thing here that Call of Duty is going to be a Game Pass title that PlayStation players will also have access to? And even though PlayStation players can buy it if they choose to, Xbox still gets a large portion of the money. Um, I, I don't know. The, the, th the thing here is... Xbox and Microsoft are in such a clean situation right now where they're just so they're so friendly and PR positive and everyone loves them that they can do no wrong. So it's kind of like what you're saying. They can they they bought themselves the time. They said the things they need to say to put everyone's concerns at bay and everyone can talk themselves into whatever argument they want to believe. And now they have time to figure out what they want to do. And again, I think that plays into the fact that they don't have a master plan. They don't have a vision for this. This is just an opportunity they jumped on. And now they got to figure out what they're doing. <laughs> and finally, Temple Knight rounds it out by saying, in this podcast and previous episodes, you've mentioned a preference for Xbox to grow its studios naturally. But I think there's a potential flaw with that approach. And that is that it requires building a team from scratch. That team, if it's going to turn around any big games anytime soon, needs veteran talent. And, veterans ta and veteran talent isn't exactly grown on trees. I think part of Microsoft's strategy of buying studios comes from the fact that there is a finite pool of talent, and I don't think that they, that they care to foster a handful of studios for decades, just guessing, before they're capable of making AA or AAA games. I think that buying Activision... In doing so, that they're betting in Microsoft's ability to leverage talent and IP at Activision better than Activision even could, as well as solidifying Microsoft as a fundamental player in the entertainment slash gaming industry. So here's the thing, Temple Knight, is I politely disagree. It, and I think Xbox could do a fair bit of both, right? Think of the, the company that comes to mind when we have this discussion more than any other company is Undead Labs. Because Undead Labs began as a developer at the end of the 360 era with um, State of Decay 1. And that was a game that Microsoft founded, or, or Microsoft found while it was in development, cultivated a relationship with that very small independent developer and helped them get that game to market on the Xbox Live Arcade for 360. Then they helped them get it over to Xbox One with a Definitive Edition, and then they helped fund and make a State of Decay 2. 
that is 100% the way that Sony makes games. What Microsoft did with Undead Labs was basically took a page from PlayStation's book, and I've been thinking about this a lot with this team lately, where it is like, that is the one developer example of when Microsoft did the PlayStation thing. And then after State Decade 2 came out, it was moderately successful for Xbox, and Xbox felt like there was a good relationship there. They went and acquired Undead Labs, and now Undead Labs is part of Team Xbox. The only other team that comes to mind like that is Playground, where they had a long-standing relationship where they worked together forever and ever and ever, and only recently finally acquired Playground, and now Playground's also making Fable and all that, where it's like this very natural, like, hey, let's we have mutual goals. Um, let's see if we can work together and see what comes of it. They work together, their success, they continue to work together, they continue to find out they're a great match for each other, and then eventually the big dog Microsoft comes out and says, here's a suitcase full of cash. Do you think we can make a deal? I love that because... I, I will say Undead Labs, I feel like it's underutilized or some something's up there because I feel like State of Decay is a lot less than it could be. But, you know, State of Decay 3 has the potential to be something really special. So we'll see on that one. Playground's a little different, though, because Playground consistently puts out some of the highest quality shit out there in the world. It's amazing. Forza Horizon's so good. I'm really excited to see what the hell Fable actually is. But the other thing is Playground feels like Xbox, you know? Xbox has owned Playground, since around the time Forza Horizon 4 came out, which means the first three Forza Horizon games were all made for Xbox by Playground at a time where it was kind of a second-party exclusive. And what's so cool about that is that's exactly what I'm talking about, is that's what we need more from Microsoft. Because Playground comes off as this team with a long history and story with Xbox, and they've worked together a lot, and their game's feel like Xbox. If someone told you, oh yeah, Forza Horizon, that team wasn't always part of Xbox. They were just making Xbox games, but now they are a part of that family. You'd be like, wow, I never knew. They always just felt inherently like an Xbox team. The way Halo just feels like Xbox. And that's what I'm talking about. Is Microsoft needs more of that. And yes, you are right. That takes longer to get than just going shopping and buying up whoever you want. Absolutely. But I think that is the way to do it ethically in the way to cultivate a a workplace culture and a a feel and a standard for what it is your your company makes. Now, the only reason I give Xbox a pass on this is because they don't ne- they're not necessarily playing the same game as Sony. So, Sony does basically all their teams like that and that's the kind of the the relationship they have. They work together, they work together, they work together and if it's a good relationship, Sony will offer to buy them and they kind of indoctrinate them and teach them what it is to work with PlayStation to be a part of PlayStation. And that's why so many PlayStation games all feel and look like the same fucking thing. I swear to god, they're all the same third person action story driven game. Even though they're all great, don't get me wrong, they're really good games. It's like in a way God of War and Uncharted and Last of Us and Horizon Zero Dawn and all in in Ghost of Tsushima are kind of all the exact same fucking game in a way. But it's because there is a there is a this is a PlayStation game like Disney, right? Like old Disney movies back when they weren't just remaking fucking blue Will Smith for a billion dollar profit. Um, there was this time where Disney was doing this creative thing where they made movies and they drew them by hand and they were amazing. And it was like, you know, maybe one of them is about a boy who every time he tells a lie, his nose gets big. And and one of them is about like a, like a fucking fox that steals from the rich and gives to the poor and there's no relation between those storylines but you watch these movies and they're authentically Disney the animation the way the characters are written and brought to life and the style and the flair and the way the stories are told it's so unmistakably Disney 
PlayStation has that. Now, Xbox absolutely doesn't have that. They kind of did for a while, because I would argue you play Forza, you play Halo, you play Gears of War. These games just feel like Xbox. But we're getting to a point where it's like, dude, don't fucking yank my chain, because you can't tell me that Dishonored and Call of Duty have this thing in common. And it's that they both just feel like Xbox. Oh, yeah. When I'm playing Call of Duty and Heroes of the Storm, I just get that, oh, this is so Xbox feeling. No, of course not. Because Xbox is going for the Netflix approach. They're going for, we just need content on our service. We just need shit happening. It doesn't matter if it feels like this or that. And Xbox's approach to culture isn't that we want to cultivate an authentic, specific Xbox culture and 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 make sure our companies all represent that. Their thing is, as Phil Spencer said many, many times before, they want these independent studios and publishers and teams to maintain and build and have their own their own culture and identity. And they made that very clear when they bought Bethesda. We want Bethesda to continue to operate independently and to just be Bethesda and do what they do and have their attitude. And they'll have access to the resources and the pool of talent that comes along with being part of Team Xbox. But they can still operate and, and be who they were and function as they were and have their own culture. And I think neither of those are right or wrong, but I think it definitely creates a disjointed feeling in your product. And so I, I'm just, listen, I'm just telling you, I'm not saying it's right or wrong or it's good or bad, but I, I am telling you that, you know, five years from now when these acquisitions are long behind us and Xbox just simply owns the world and Game Pass costs $75 a month because they bought all the talent and you have no other fucking choice because there's no other games on the market that aren't owned by Microsoft. When that is the reality, you're definitely not going to play a game like Call of Duty Black Ops 7, Alex Mason gets a haircut and compare it to... Halo Infinite 7.0, we still haven't hired full-time people and we're relying on contractors to not get benefits but still work on the new Halo game. It's going to make a lot of money. And you look at those two games and you compare them side by side and you go, wow, these games just feel like Xbox. They're not. They're absolutely not. And I'm saying that's that, that that's what I've said in the past is that Xbox is missing out on that. And I think in some ways it's a shame, but I don't think it's what they're going for. So I think that's more something I just have to accept personally, but... Temple Knight, I do love your take on it. I think there's a lot of logic and a lot of um, sound explanation behind what you're saying there. I, I don't think you're wrong at all. But guys, let's let's try to move away from all the Activision stuff because there's other stuff happening in the world of Xbox, although probably not nearly as interesting. But there used to be this podcast called Xbox On. We would talk about like other things and we wouldn't just, you know, whatever. But we're going to have a regular run of show now, an hour and something minutes into the, into the episode um, but it's, uh, of course, going to be a little more condensed. But I want to do the regular run. Let's do some comments, like regular comments. Let's do some banter. Here's what I've been playing. Here's what I've been eating. And then talk about some news um, that isn't Activision being purchased by Microsoft. So starting out with the comments, you guys know how it goes. You go over to YouTube.com slash Xbox on podcast. Click on the latest episode and leave a comment below. I will read it on the air. I don't care if you're saying something nice like Jesse. You have a refreshing and interesting take on this Activision acquisition. I appreciate your input. I may not agree with everything you have to say, but I do appreciate you trying to have a independent, thought-provoking, different perspective. And I appreciate you trying to shed light on alternate things that maybe the, 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 the main conversation isn't really bringing to light. So that's cool. You do you. Uh, have a great week. Or you could be a real asshole and be like, Jesse, you are so dumb. I know you have Microsoft phone. I know you have Microsoft computer. You even have Microsoft girlfriend and Microsoft cat. One time I saw you go into your refrigerator. You had Microsoft food in there. You are a Microsoft bitch. 
You are Microsoft friend. You like Microsoft everything. So why, I must ask, do you hate Microsoft now? Do you hate Activision now? Do you hate Call of Duty? Do you hate Nazi Zombie? You are dumb, Jesse. Go poo-poo your face. And I'll say, God damn it. Even sounding like a complete robot, you still cut to the cut to the center of, of, of who I am and you've ripped out my heart and made me feel like I'm nothing and I just don't know that I'll ever be the same again, but we'll read all the comments because all the comments deserve to be read. This is Xbox on. After all, we don't censor it. We don't we don't make it simple and, and dumb it down for mainstream audiences. This is fucking alt. Alt Xbox Entertainment, alt the time. Uh, anyway, EA's King writes in, remember that guy? Some of these comments are kind of old because we skipped this last week, but EA's King writes in, I swear to God, he's a real person, and says, Yo, Jesse, I am sad. My antivirus software thinks that Rainbow Six Extraction is a virus. EA's King. That's funny. <laughs> Rainbow Six Extraction probably is, it probably is a computer virus. Guys, we talked about barbecue in a, in a long time ago before the Xbox Activision shit. We, we used to talk about barbecue on this podcast. And a lot of you had some really thought-provoking content and, and ideas to share regarding barbecue and the whole debate of whether or not you need barbecue sauce and what's the best style of barbecue. So I'd like to get back to that for a little bit if we may. My brother said barbecue sauce isn't for steak. It's only good on other dishes, though. Brisket is a good example. Dead Captain James says, I didn't get the chance to write in the other week, but Carolina Barbecue is 100% the best barbecue. I broke down and picked up Deathloop on PC. It's pretty darn good, by the way. Not Game of the Year or anything, but very fun. And then Mavsman responds to you, Dead Captain James, and says, Deathloop is dumb, you are dumb. No, I'm just kidding. Mavsman responds and says, I couldn't disagree with you more. Vinegar-based stuff is for the birds. I put it right up there with the Alabama white sauce trash. That is true. White sauce, uh, white barbecue sauce. Ugh. Being from Texas, we undoubtedly have the best barbecue hands down. I've only been smoking for over a little over a year, and some traditionals consider it cheating, but I use a Traeger with Wi-Fi, and it couldn't be uh, any more simple. Brisket's o- brisket cooks overnight and ready for dinner the next day, and it's a godsend. And I will agree, yes, there are some items that barbecue sauce can be used on, primarily light coating on ribs for about 30, 45 minutes before they are finished. Brisket and chicken should mostly be about the seasoning. Uh, Yeah, I agree. Uh, Possibly a brine for the chicken and wood type. Okay, Mavs man, judging by that comment, I'm going to need you to come on. I'm going to fly you out to good old Orlando, Florida to make some barbecue. And if you make it just good the way daddy likes it, I, I might even, I might even send you an Xbox on care package full of swag. Would you like to be the brand ambassador for Xbox on? All you got to do is make me really dank ass barbecue and ship it on over to sunny Orlando, Florida and dead captain James. Don't let Mazman uh, discourage you with your care with your Carolina barbecue preference, because as we all know, dead captain James is a goddamn savant. So if he says Carolina barbecue is the best, it's the best. You hear me? Fucking Mazman breaks computer keyboard in half. I will I will cut you if you ever defy dead Captain James again. But no, seriously. I really want some good barbecue chicken now. M- Moose writes in and says, Your comments on Phil Spencer were hilarious. Of course they were. Assuming barbecue sauce is unnecessary because good barbecue doesn't need the sauce is completely misguided thinking. No one has time to become a pit master and spend eight hours a day cooking dinner. Just use barbecue sauce. Also, barbecue sauce is used in far more ways than traditional barbecue, a.k.a. barbecue sauce on cereal. No, wait, no, you didn't say that last part. I made that up. It, it is tradition. <laughs> it's a traditional ingredient in non-barbecue style recipes to add sauce 
uh, add side sauce for non-barbecue items. Moose, I wish you gave some concrete examples, but I do appreciate you defending the other the other side of the argument. Uh, Moose, you have a wonderful day. I also hope that um, the next time you check the mail, there's like, uh, I don't know, like a blank check for a million dollars or something because that'd be cool. You deserve it. Temple Knight comes back from the dead and says, barbecue, grilling, smoking meat can often be considered the same thing, but I choose to consider each uniquely different. Although, there can be some overlap. I think there's no shame in using barbecue sauce on top of flavor of pork or chicken. These are meats that lend well to sporting a tasteful sauce. Steak, on the other hand, is completely different animal, figuratively and literally. I agree that rare or medium rare, rare is best though, are the only acceptable ways to eat a steak. It should be thoughtfully seasoned with primarily salt and pepper. Other dry seasonings may be acceptable, but I won't write a dissertation. Of course, Temple Knight, as we all know, is a simple salt and pepper of a generous proportion that you want to use on there. Get that, you know, lots of, lots of, lots of garlic I, I like to cook it with. You know, my thing is, I don't have a grill. I live in an apartment. There's not much access to me. So I follow the Gordon Ramsay recipe. You, you get, you get a pan, you put it on a fucking flaming ass high heat. Get that thing on like, ugh, crank up that heat until it's just fucking searing hot. Then you take that meat, you want to let it sit out for 20, 30 minutes so that it's not cold, so it's like kind of room temp. Generously um, season it with some salt and pepper. Throw that, mo- before you throw that motherfucker in that spicy hot pan, you want to get a generous heaping of butter in there. Get that butter all around the pan. Throw that steak in. Give it a minute or two on one side. Flip a minute or two on the other side, you want to throw some crushed garlic in there. I mean, take garlic cloves, just mash them, throw them in the fucking pan, rosemary or something if you want to throw that in there as well, and you just take that butter and that garlic and you kind of scoop it and baste your steak as it's cooking on two minutes on each side. Take that steak, maybe touch it up around the sides so it's got to kind of even char around. But man, you take that thing off the grill, medium rare in the center, all the ladies be saying, hey, I thought we were talking about barbecue, but... I could be mistaken <laughs> because you're talking about steak now. All right, guys, that was a nice little detour from all the Xbox talk, but I think now we got to get into the rest of the comments, which are literally just two comments, quick ones. Mr. Miggy writes in. These are non-related. These are just random comments. Um, Mr. Miggy says, Mr. Jesse, I'm sad. I went to Sam's Club twice and the food court was not open both times. I refused to buy anything at Sam's Club until I've tried their food court. I blame NFTs and TikTok. Mr. Miggy, I'm so sorry to hear that that was your experience. Fucking NFTs taking another victim. Uh, Mojo rounds us out by saying Xbox One, rest in peace, as well as the classic Punisher logo. The logo change seems fitting, though. It's embraced by authority figures such as police, military, and far-right extremists. That's disturbing because the Punisher himself represents a failure in the justice system. But on a lighter note, a new Mexican restaurant in my area has a deep-fried taco, and they're fi- and they're fantastic. They have an extra thick they have extra thick shells and comes with a side of guac, sour cream, and two types of hot sauces. This is all <laughs> that is all. Peace out and power your screams, Mojo. That's one of my favorite comments I've gotten in a while. I didn't know they changed the Punisher logo. I had to look this up. They did. It looks fucking weird. It has like weird horn tusks things now. I don't care. I always kind of laugh at the misuse of the Punisher logo. I don't, <laughs> but I just don't understand what like. What inspired you to be like, this is the thing I need to write in? Listen, I'm not judging you. I thank you for writing in, but why was this the thing you're like, I need to write in about this Punisher logo? <laughs> and it, it is funny. It's it's always like comically, it just, it, it's always like comically the same people that <laughs> misuse the Punisher logo. It's like a fucking lifted pickup truck with like a Blue Lives Matter <laughs> and a Punisher logo on it. And you're just like, 
<laughs> you fucking goon. Anyway, uh, that's it for all this. <laughs> that's it for all this week's comments and shout outs. Remember for next week, don't be shy. Reply. Leave a comment. Tell me why I'm sexy. Tell me why I'm stupid. Tell me why I'm ugly. Tell me why Xbox is dumb and I should have bought an Ouya. And then tell me why the fuck you're listening to this podcast if that's what you think. But don't tell me how to cook a steak because I already went through how to do that with you. Don't be shy. Reply. We'll see you next week. Guys, let's get back into games. I want to tell you about what I've been playing. But before I can tell you about what I've been playing, i got to tell you about what I've been eating. My cat just looked at me because I tapped on the desk and she's like, what the... Real quick, but not really because we got to talk about this. It's real shit. So... I live in Orlando, Florida, as I've said probably 10 times in this podcast, as I've probably said a billion times in this show's run. But a famous fact about Orlando, about Florida in general, is it is overrun by snowbirds. These are the excrement of New York and New Jersey and places like that. They come down here and they're angry and they're frustrated and they're sad and they're mean and they bring all that with them down here and they're like, ah, I have a lot of money because I'm used to living in a state where it's just fucking astronomical to afford a home and so I'm going to bring all my money and all my bitterness and anger and bad driving down to Florida and I'm going to buy all the fucking homes so the Disney cast members can never afford to live and I'm going to drive bad and cause a lot of traffic and be an asshole. But there's one thing about these people that is redeemable. And it is that these northerners, these northeasterners, these northern little buttfuckers, they know what a bagel is um, in New York in particular. There's this thing called bagels, and they're really good. And in 99% of the country, you can't get good bagels. And the only reason I'm aware of this is because a lot of my family's from these hellholes up north, and um, I've had access on and off to bagels in the past. And where I'm originally from in Atlanta, we actually have a really decent a New York style diner that does incredibly legit bagels. And it was like the one saving grace of the town I grew up in. And it's like the one and only thing aside from my family that I miss about Georgia. And um, aside from that, it's just, you know, I really haven't had a good bagel since the last time I went to New York or last time I went home. And so I'm constantly on this quest to find good bagels. Now, a few years ago, a place opened up about 40 minutes away from me called Jeff's Bagel Run. The story is a guy moved down here from the north. He knew good bagels. He moved to Florida. There were no good bagels. So he and his wife started a place where they sell good bagels. And it's like authentic New York bagels. Come and get them. We import the water and everything. It's legit. Okay, whatever. TikTok, Instagram, they be going nuts for Jeff's Bagel Run. I'm thinking, of course, these are probably not that good, but you know, whatever. But at some point I got to try, I got to give them a go. Right. So this week I just randomly had the impulse. I'm like, girlfriend figure, this is the day we do it. Let's, let's fucking wake up early on a Saturday because this place always has a line out the door and they always sell out. Let's fucking get there early. Let's get these bagels. Let's do it. So we buckle up. I'm ready for like a 40 minute drive, finding out that all the flavors we want are sold out and that there's a, like a 45 minute line to get a bagel. I, I'm expecting the worst. Yo, Jeff's bagel run legit. The, the staff there has got that place on lockdown. They got that line moving so fast. They got so many bagels popping out of that kitchen at any given time. They got everything in full stock. Everything's hot and fresh and ready to go. I got the everything bagel. I got a couple blueberries, got a couple plains, got some cream cheese, tried it all out. I got an iced coffee. They use really good coffee beans from a local coffee place and it's really fucking good and I liked it. But more importantly, the bagels, they're damn good. I don't I, I don't expect them to be the best bagel ever, but they're not even as good as the New York place I'm used to going to back home in Atlanta. Um, they're certainly not as good as like a, a good bagel in New York, which you can't expect. But for considering how bad the bagel scene here is in Central Florida, I would say these bagels are like a solid eight, eight and a half out of ten. They are good. I'm definitely glad I went out there. Shout out to the team at Jeff's Bagel Run. You guys are doing good shit. Good, good shit. You're doing the Lord's work. You're representing um, the North in the only way 
worth representing them, which is bagels and fuck off for the rest. Uh, and Spider-Man. They got Spider-Man too. But yeah, Jeff's Bagel Runs. Good bagels, guys. Eat a bagel. The other thing I want to say is I was at the Sam's Club the other day, as I am on a weekly basis, and I'm always checking out the snack aisle, seeing what kind of new wacky shit they got going on. And Frito-Lays, will you believe that these assholes have the audacity to put out a limited time only fried pickles dipped in ranch flavored potato chip? So I buy the motherfucker thinking these are going to be terrible. I'm going to eat one and then throw out the rest of the bag. And wouldn't you know it? They are F-I-N-E period. These things are absolutely edible. They're not great at all. They're not bad though. They're they're absolutely fine. I do foresee a future where I make it through to the end of this bag. They are that edible. And I can't believe that there's a potato chip trying to imitate the flavor of a fried pickle dipped in ranch dressing that I, I can go out and say to someone, I wouldn't go out of your way to buy these, but if you happen to have them laying around your pantry, they will absolutely suffice to go along with your sandwich for work. Guys, fried pickles and ranch dressing, uh, potato chips from Lay's. Wow. I thought there was a third thing, but anyway, that's gonna do it for what I've been eating. But more importantly, what have I been playing? Well, this is a little delayed because last week we skipped this stuff, but the other week, like two weeks ago, like right before Activision went and sold out to Microsoft, I finally rolled credits on Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. And I feel like I've kind of said everything I have to say on this game, except I will say this. I liked the ending a bit, uh, quite a bit. This game has a lot of heart and a lot of good acting and storytelling and writing when it wants to. And the banter is always engaging and consistently fun from start to finish. But the problem with the game is that it suffers from Uncharted 4 syndrome, which is that I just need this game to end, and it goes on about four hours too long. So is it a good game? Yes. The combat gets a lot more interesting as the game uh, develops, which is really welcome because it's really not great at first. The writing is always fun. The banter between the characters is fun. At some point in the game, it kind of forgets it's trying to be funny and doesn't do that for a while, which is weird. But then it gets funny again at the end. And it has a lot of heart and a lot of emotion towards the end, which I really appreciate. This game is definitely worth playing once it inevitably comes to Game Pass. And I think if you can get it for $30 or less, it's definitely worth a run through as well. If you're even remotely a Guardians of the Galaxy fan, I'd say it's a must play. But for those of you just looking for a fun third-person action-adventure story-driven game, a la something you normally get on PlayStation, this is a, this is a pretty good romp. Not like a drop everything and play this game, but definitely worth your time. It's it's a fun game. I'm glad I saw it through the end. So that's Guardians of the Galaxy. I probably would have had more to say about it two weeks ago when I finished it, but some time's passed. Three other games I want to talk about briefly that I've been playing. After the Fall, this is a VR zombie shooter. I'm playing it on my Oculus Quest 2, and it's basically... Left 4 Dead in VR. It's super arcadey, super pick up and play, really easy to get the hang of, and it is so much fun. This game is cross-play too. It's like one of the only VR games that's cross-play. So you can play it Oculus Quest, Valve Index, uh, PSVR, any of them, and you can cross-play with one another. So that's a real big perk and, and benefit to this game. But $40, and it's absolutely worth the cost of admission. I've been trying to force myself to... Um, I've been trying to force myself to be willing to spend some money on a VR game here or there because I mostly play cheap or free stuff and I feel like I'm not giving VR a fair shake by not, you know, trying some of the more premium content. So I'm really glad I, I pulled the trigger and bit the bullet and did the thing because this this game is very, very good. Um, if you own a VR headset, you kind of owe it to yourself to um, to absolutely... <laughs> try try this game because it's 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 very very good the game was developed by vertigo games a smaller team best known for best known for arizona sunshine which is kind of like an indie darling so i think it's kind of crazy to think that they um that that's the team that made this um 
but uh, yeah, it's it's definitely worth a look. It's, it feels really good, fun four player co op. Lots of like replayability, lots of like loot grinding aspect to the Left 4 Dead formula, but it's still pretty simplistic and easy to pick up and learn. I just I cannot recommend this game enough. The next game I've been playing is The Anacrusis, which speaking of Left 4 Dead, this is another one of those Left 4 Dead type games. This is currently only available on PC and Xbox. It is a early access game, so it is free to download and play if you if you got Xbox or PC. Um, but keep in mind, this game is in a rough early development state right now. It is not running great at all. But this game is like, it has a lot of ex-Left 4 Dead talent, kind of like how Back 4 Blood does. But this is a game that gets it right so much better than Back 4 Blood. Because this game, so instead of zombies, it's like you're in like a, it's like a 1970s, like contemporary, like modernism kind of weird, like future sci-fi look. And instead of zombies, you fight aliens. So it's kind of a little bit of a spin on the formula, but the moment-to-moment gameplay feels a lot like classic 2008 Left 4 Dead 1. For better and for worse, like it literally feels like a game that came out in 2008, so it's a little dated and uninspired in terms of like new ideas. Uh, but the core gameplay just feels so good, kind of the way old Left 4 Dead does. So I actually really quite prefer this game over Back 4 Blood because Back 4 Blood forgets what makes Left 4 Dead good and overcomplicates it and makes it not fun to play. Um, whereas the Anacrusis, even in its really unpolished early development state and more simplistic and kind of old uh, design approach, it ends up being a lot more fun, I think. So definitely check this out guys i guess you have to get it through game pass uh, i don't know it's an early access game so you shouldn't need game pass to get it um but it's definitely worth downloading and trying out we streamed it last week it was a good time anacrusis fun game weird name uh rainbow six extraction rainbow six extraction is the last game i want to talk about that i played uh i was pretty interested in giving this game a try because i knew it was coming to game pass day and date so i downloaded it the day it came out booted it up Played the first 15 minutes, 20 minutes with the introduction and tutorial. Immediately turned off the game, uninstalled it from my Xbox. I hate the way this game handles and controls and feels, and I don't want to play it. Um, I feel like I need to give it another try, but I need to maybe download it on PC and give it a go. Um, I was so underwhelmed by the way this game felt playing. I just didn't even want to give it a fair shake. So I can't actually speak to the quality of the game or anything about it. But uh, the, the the intro just turned me off. It's also one of those games that's like way too much like, here's opening cinematics and exposition and shit you don't care about. It's like, no, no, no. Sell me on the game by letting me just play the game because it's a, it's, a, it's a multiplayer gameplay focused game. Let me play it. I know a lot of you are probably enjoying that game quite a bit. So feel free to write in angrily about how I suck if that's how you feel. But guys, with that all out of the way, let's jump into the regular news we have going on this week. Not too, too much of it because obviously we talked about the big, big shit, but there are some notable stories we got to get through real quick. So let's get in. Okay, so let's jump into the news. Our first story that is not related to the Xbox Activision deal comes from VGC, who we will be using almost exclusively this week, and reads that Xbox, the division, uh, has generated its highest ever annual revenue of $16.28 billion during the 2021 calendar year. So, so all of Xbox generated less than a third of what Microsoft spent on Activision. But no, no, no. Let's continue on. As noted by Nico Partners analyst Daniel Ahmed, the figure beat the previous record set by Microsoft's gaming division a year earlier of 17 by 17.07%. Hardware revenue rose 63.3% year over year to 3.7 billion, 
who Nyko part, uh, partners estimating the Series X and S consoles sold to retailers now total over 12 million units sold. Content and services revenue is up 8.8 year over year percentage-wise and $12.6 billion. The increase was driven by a rise in Game Pass subscription and first-party game sales, partially offset by declining third-party software sales. So that's a brief little snapshot that gives you a ton of information. So first of all, um, let's go through these numbers in the order that they're presented Gaming growing 17%, considering the fact that 2020 was also a massive growth year for gaming in general uh, due to COVID. So that's really impressive. Um, that just goes to show you in 2021, a year where we went a lot of back to normal shit, where a lot of people went back to work, a lot of people started leaving the house and doing stuff again. The fact that their kind of performance was able to increase instead of decrease or stagnate is a testament to how much you know, the addition of all that attention that COVID brought onto gaming with people working from home and staying home and all that shit, that, that wasn't a temporary boost in gaming for people to draw their attention away from other things. That was a growth in gaming that has remained permanent, which a lot of people said that would be the case. I also guess that would probably be the case. And look, that, that was the case. Um, so that's the first thing that's really impressive. Uh, obviously that's a lot a lot of that's attributed to new consoles. So the next numbers here, um, hardware revenue grew 63%. Now a lot of that was everything being sold out last year and initially Xbox Series X and S being stupid hard to find. And throughout 2021, even though consoles have been extremely hard to find still, Series X and S were consistently pumped out and constantly selling out every time they were put into the market. And to the point where Series S you know, is probably the one selling the best at this point. It seems like that's the one they're making more of. It's one we're seeing on shelves more. And it's the more affordable SKU, and the more affordable SKU always sells the best. So they say that but combined, Xbox Series S and X, combined, that brand is selling, has sold probably 12 million units so far, which is very, very strong. I think they've estimated PS5 somewhere around like 17 or 19 million. So obviously still being healthily, outgrown by uh, outsold by ps5 which is no surprise um but i actually i think they said playstation 5 might have been at 15 or 16 i don't remember um but obviously series x and s doing very very well this is not the kind of drop off we i mean we saw with xbox um one i mean xbox one what it went probably around like 40 something million units so it series x and s in one year has already hit over, over a quarter of what the Xbox One did. So that's very, very good. Now, what I would love to see is split numbers to see what percentage of that is Series X and which percentage is Series S because I have a feeling Series S is like really outselling Series X. A lot of people uh, believe just based on sales numbers and availability issues and things like that, that uh, Xbox or Microsoft has manufactured far more Series S units than Series X. Um, so Series X is probably undersold by a lot. Compared, but still 12 million units. That's really good. I guess it helps when you have a $300 box on the market, right? And then content and services being up eight over eight and a half percent, over $12 billion. That's insane. And despite the fact that there's, there's declining third party software sales, probably due to Game Pass, <laughs> to have content revenue up like that, very, very, very impressive. So obviously, that's mostly because Game Pass is booming like crazy, but they had some huge games. Especially in the end there with Halo and Halo and Forza. So really, really impressive numbers all around. I'll be curious to see what that content services revenue number continues to look like as we see these numbers more and more. I'm also curious to learn more if we ever do about 
how Series X and S are selling respectively rather than just combine those numbers because, you know, one's a $300, one's a $300 like entry level kind of next gen console and the other's like the high end $500 super techie one. So it's kind of interesting to see how those numbers differ from one another. I would probably wager that no more than 30% of those sales are Series X, but, uh, you know, I don't know. That's just a guess. Uh, next story here, and this is this is one that got quite a few people excited. Another story to distract from the shit going on at Blizzard and Activision right now. But no, uh, VGC reports that Blizzard have announced that it's developing a new AAA survival game for PC and unspecified console platforms. So no saying, depending on when this game comes out, if it will come to PlayStation. Ha ha ha. This game's a ways out, so it probably won't come to PlayStation. But the company shared news on its website this past week, along with several job ads describing the project as a world different from any other Blizzard has ever created. Quote, Blizzard is embarking on its next quest. We are going on a journey in a whole new universe, home to a brand new survival game for PC and console. A place full of heroes we have yet to meet, stories yet to be told, and adventures yet to be lived. A vast realm of possibility waiting to be explored. End quote. The company is re- is currently staffing up and seeking to fill art, design, and engineer roles for the project. Quote, for 30 years, Blizzard has been creating universes for millions of players around the globe. It, this requires a diverse team of developers willing to lend their voices and listen to be... Uh, to listen and to be heard this is our mission do you like survival games do you want to join a collaborative team of expert experienced developers at an early stage of a new project in a new world and help write the next chapter in blizzard's history this is a call to adventure will you answer it end quote blizzard of course has said it's been working on other projects uh and at any time in blizzard is of course working on other projects as we know right now overwatch 2 diablo 4 both games were recently delayed um so you know, not great news, but hey, they're working on shit, apparently. So obviously this announcement, you know, they had a piece of concept art along with it. This announcement is a lot more of a, of a hey, we need people to come and work here, a, a job ad more than it was like an announcement for the, the, um, the fans out there. Of course, this pulls a lot of attention away from the shit going on in Blizzard and Activision right now and only adds further fuel to the whole, wow, Microsoft owns them now. Another exclusive awesome game for Xbox. Suck it, PlayStation. So, of course, that was a lot of the conversation surrounding this, but that's not what we have to talk about necessarily because obviously it looks like Blizzard is having a status. I don't want to say a staffing issue because a new project, new IP, obviously you need to hire new talent for that. So that's understandable. But the fact that they're doing all that in the midst of basically being in development hell on Diablo four and overwatch two, uh, it's like, okay, okay, okay. You got a a third game in the pipeline while you're still struggling, get those other two out that we've known about for quite a while. Maybe not the best look, but again, this was a, call for staffing more than it was an announcement of a new thing they want you to get hyped about um it just so happens that we get to get hyped as an as a as a consequence of this news being released i I saw a lot of people getting really excited about this saying you know blizzard's the kind of team that generally takes takes a, a a genre and makes it really mainstream and really appealing to a lot of people they never do the same thing more than once they did the rts they did the mmorpg they did the dungeon crawler they did 
the hero shooter. So it's like, oh, it's cool to see them doing something new. They've shown that they're multifaceted. They can work in many different genres and they always create something new and original. So whatever's next, it's like, okay, this is their their throw at the survival game genre. And what's cool about this is a AAA survival game, there's not really much like that because generally survival games are more like these indie style games, at least in the way I'm thinking of. I guess I'm thinking of things like Don't Starve and shit like that. So um, to, to think of, blizzard trying to make something like that or take that genre and evolve it into like a triple a must play big budget game is interesting and i have full confidence and faith that they they can do this because they've proven time and time again that they can be very versatile and jump around genres and always innovate um so that is cool and that is exciting but clearly this is a lot more about like hey we need people to come and work here don't listen to all the uh, <laughs> don't listen to all the noise right now about you know the the state of our company and what it's like to work here. We really need talent to come and help us on this new project. And so, I, I think paired with the the good the good faith news of Microsoft swooping in and getting Blizzard, um, this is going to renew a lot of interest in that studio and probably draw a lot of talent to this project, um, for better or for worse. Uh, so hey. Another game to add to your list of Blizzard games that probably aren't coming out anytime soon, but you can be excited for. Now, as for exclusivity, I think this is probably going to be an Xbox game because a game like this is so early in development that let's say everything goes best case scenario. It's still not coming out for probably like four years. So Microsoft will have well been full owner of Activision by the time this game is ready to be shown to the public in a, in a running proper state. And this is a new original IP, not something like Call of Duty where they have to fulfill an obligation or a contract or anything like that. So this is a prime game for um, an Xbox PC exclusive, no PlayStation, um, which is immediately my guess. I just know that's a thing a lot of people want to talk about. So there's my two cents on that. Next up, this is the news story this week that frustrated me the most. Electronic Arts have announced an extension of its partnership with Lucasfilm Game, which will see Apex Legends developer Respawn Entertainment work on three new Star Wars projects. It announced this week that the company, uh, that, that they're working on a sequel to Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which we already knew about, along with two new projects in development at the team within Respawn, Respawn's hierarchy. Firstly, the new Star Wars first-person shooter game being helmed by former LucasArts veteran and Medal of Honor co-creator Peter Hirschman, who's previously worked on original Battlefront games and The Force Unleashed and others. So that's, that's let's, let's just stop real quick. That's a cool one. Probably a nod to the game we heard about the other week from Respawn, where it's going to have a kind of like mobility kind of focused first-person shooter game. So I assume this probably has to do with that. It'd be really cool to see basically Titanfall across Star Wars where it's like a Force-sensitive person can use the Force to like push off the ground and push off walls and run around and do crazy shit. That would be cool. Star Wars is criminally under underused with its cool characters and possibilities and world building because they're always so focused on Luke Skarnocker instead of on telling an interesting story. See Boba Fett's billionth fucking TV show to find out more about that. So I think that would be really awesome if we see that these two things are related and that we're getting basically a Titanfall Star Wars game because it's the closest thing to Titanfall we're going to get, and I think that'd be awesome. Uh, but the second project, or the third project, because we know this, the other one is Jedi Fallen Order sequel, which was a given. The third one, though, is a Star Wars project uh, strategy game developed through a production collaboration with Bitreactor, which is a new studio formed by veterans of XCOM and Civilization Studio Firaxis games. So, old talent from Firaxis forming a new studio, working with Respawn on a Star Wars strategy game. This is the weirdest one of the bunch, the one that has me scratching my head the most and by far the least interested in. 
and will no doubt be the most uh, niche of the three games. But nonetheless, this one gives me a little bit more um, ease because I feel like Respawn stretching themselves so thin that to see that this game is largely being helmed by someone else and pretty much just overseen by Respawn probably, this makes me feel better about the amount of projects they have their hands in. Obviously, the most exciting thing here is that first-person shooter because we knew about Jedi Fallen Order sequel. In fact, the rumor is that they might announce and release that game this year. Damn, I just I want to see a good Star Wars first-person shooter since Battlefront clearly wasn't it. I know, I know a lot of you guys like it. I personally don't care for that game. I don't I don't like games that feel like Battlefield. It just never feels right to me. So please let me have this. I want to feel respawns Call of Duty kind of style first-person shooter in the Star Wars universe, not Dice's EA's Battlefields type shooter in the Star Wars universe. Uh, Respawn co-founder Vince Zampella, who is overseeing the game, said, quote, we are a huge Star Wars fans here at Respawn. We're thrilled to work with Lucasfilm Games on new titles that we've wanted to make for years. If you want to make great Star Wars games, you should come join our journey. Again, a call for employment. The news follows last year's confirmation that Lucasfilm previously, a previous exclusivity deal with EA was set to end by partnering with Ubisoft on a new open world game, although EA responded by stating that its long-standing collab with Lucasfilm Games will continue for years to come, in some form or fashion. Well, now, we also know that Quantic Dream, an independent developer behind Detroit and Heavy Rain, recently announced Star Wars Eclipse, which is multiple years off, but a new non-EA Star Wars game. The years after these new games are released, publisher EA will be done with the Star Wars IP for the foreseeable future. This means that de uh, developer DICE won't be making a Star Wars Battlefront 3, as parent company EA plans to lean more heavily into using its own IP going forward. That's according to Venture Pete Sorry, a Venture Beat report, which claims EA has no intention of making more Star Wars games following these three respawn projects that we just said. Going forward, EA is planning on reducing its licensing fees and therefore focusing more on its own games like Battlefield, Dead Space, Dragon Age, Mass Effect, etc. Interesting thing to say when you know Battlefield, Dragon Age, and Mass Effect are all kind of wounded franchises right now. But hey, Dead Space, we're all counting on you. Uh, journalist Tom Henderson, who has a strong track record with EA reporting, also claimed in November that plans for the a Battlefront game from DICE, a third entry, were rejected by EA due to the cost of using that Star Wars license. Disney don't come cheap because they're a fucking monopoly. Uh, anyway, I don't know what to say about this news other than this has me sad and disappointed. I, Respawn Entertainment, I think, is one of the very, very, very best um, teams in the industry. In fact, you want to talk about Xbox acquisitions. It's a shame that EA got these guys before Xbox could because I would love an alternate world if we want to talk about Xbox owning shit. I would love an alternate world where instead of Xbox buying Call of Duty and EA getting Respawn, Xbox got Respawn after Titanfall 1. They did Titanfall 1 with EA and Respawn and said, damn, Respawn, you fine, girl. And then they offered them money and then they bought Respawn and then Respawn was in bed with Xbox and then Titanfall 2 was an Xbox game and then Titanfall 3 was made and Apex Legends was Xbox and PC's Battle Royale and then they made a Titanfall 3 and then God came down from the heavens and said, I love you, Titanfall is real, believe in it and then they didn't have to make a fucking Star Wars game and another Star Wars game and another goddamn Star Wars game and then Disney was like, watch the new Boba Fett game with, with, with Baby Yoda and it's gonna suck like everything we do now and you're gonna hate it. Then everyone's gonna be like, oh man, I love Star Wars, man. My favorite one though was Empire Strikes Back. And then we have more Star Wars because we're not allowed to do original IP anymore in the games industry. There's only two options. You can do Microsoft and buy up all the fucking talent in the world, or you can do what literally everyone else, including Sony does, which is just like, ah, let's give Disney money and make a Star Wars or a Marvel game because 
fuck original IP. And then your options of the year, like you want to play Call of Duty, you want to play Overwatch, you want to play Star Wars this, Star Wars that, Star Wars Chris Pratt, or Marvel this, Marvel that, or even Marvel Chris Pratt. Speaking of which, obviously, I played Guardians of the Galaxy recently, as you can tell. And um, yeah, that's that's video games now. Video games is um, video games is just Marvel, Star Wars, and uh, consolidation. So awesome! No new Titanfall for us. I know I sound like I'm being such a fucking Debbie Downer this episode, but what what do you guys want from me? Okay, when I was a kid, video games were cool. I was like, why is there this game where this stupid wolf fox is holding a fucking gun, and there's a little robot on his back that looks menacing? And my older brother was like, no, you dumb idiot. Don't you read Game Informer? That's Ratchet and Clank points to the wrong characters as he names them. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. What is what does this do? And it's like, oh, it's like Spyro, but you have guns and it's for like teenagers because they say ass and damn. And I'm like, that's so cool. I want to buy this game. And then I go to church and I tell my friend about it. My friend's like, I want that game, too, but it's rated T for teen. And I'm technically I'm technically nine and my mom won't let me have it. And I'm like, oh, damn it. If I could only play Ratchet and Clank and games were cool because it was like, who came up with this crazy game? That's so much fun and so original and so unique. And then I played it and it was good to play. And now I'm an adult. I'm like, hey, I have disposable income and I'm at an age range where no GameStop employee can deny me access to a game because I'm over 18 or 17, whatever the fuck it is you got to be to buy a game. And despite all of that, games nowadays are just like, yeah, should you want Marvel or do you want Battle Royale? And I'm like, I don't want either. I want to play a new original game. And they're like, don't worry. We have a sequel underway. And I'm just crying and I'm sad because there's nothing happening in video games. And even when you do come up with something original like Titanfall, you motherfuckers just go out and buy fucking Call of Duty Infinite Warfare instead or whatever the game was called that outsold Titanfall 2 and Titanfall 2 was so good but we can't have it because we're not allowed to have fun things in the games industry anymore but don't worry guys I'm pretty sure Insomniac the creators of Ratchet and Clank the aforementioned fun original IP I was just talking about and reminiscing about from my youth pretty sure they're just working on two Marvel games right now because Fuck me, we're just getting another Spider-Man and another Wolverine, and I I don't even know if Guitar Hero's coming back with Activision now part of Xbox, so what do you want me to do about it, okay? And that's that's where I'm at, guys. I'm, I'm sad. I'm tired. I know it's like, oh, you're being crazy, you're being funny, you're doing your thing, but like, I am a sad person. Why is this the state of gaming? It's like, Respawn is a premier developer. They are A-plus talent. Vince Sampella is a goddamn fucking auteur visionary when it comes to video games. This guy just knows how to lead teams to make excellent content. Fucking Modern Warfare 2, fucking Titanfall, fucking Apex Legends, the only fun battle royale to ever grace the planet Earth. Like, how does this guy do it? And now they're owned by EA and they're stuck on Star Wars duty. Fuck me. Yeah, so... (laughs) Yeah, like... I expect me to be optimistic in a world where it's like, I love video games, but I don't care for Star Wars. And the entire video games industry looks at me and goes, well, fuck you, because all video games are Star Wars now. And I'm like, okay, well, I like Marvel movies, but, you know, enough's enough. Let's let's see a new game. And they're like, well, fuck you, because if you're not going to buy a Star Wars, you have to get a Marvel. And I'm like, I just want to play Pokemon Legends Arceus, which is apparently the only way to go is buy Nintendo, because they still make games that uh, Nintendo's the only one doing you guys I fucked up I ran away from Nintendo for all these years and I think they're the only ones doing it right they're not buying up all the talent in the industry and they're not making exclusively Star Wars free-to-play games I I think I need to go back to Nintendo guys 
I give up. But yeah, I mean, what 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 do you want? The good news is EA is basically saying, hey, we're, you know, all joking and all ranting and all fucking schizophrenia aside, right? EA is saying something good here at the end of the story, which is after this bullshit Star Wars obligation, we're going to try to save some money by investing in our own IP. And I see that as potentially a good thing because, as I jokingly mentioned earlier, EA IP is kind of in the shitter right now. Everyone hates Battlefield right now. Everyone hates Dragon Age because it's vaporware. Everyone hates Mass Effect because it's vaporware. And, uh, well, that leaves you with Dead Space. So, uh, this Dead Space remake, you know, fingers crossed it lands and it's good. But you can't have one IP. So, I feel like EA might be in a position where maybe they need to create a new original IP. You know, they're not going to work with Star Wars anymore. They don't want to use a lot of licensing money. So, they're probably not going to jump ship to the other one, which is Marvel. They, own, they have their own IP, but they're kind of butchering their own IPs, so maybe they can use new IP. And, you know, they got Skate, they got Dead Space, but what else you got going on? So I'm hopeful that maybe at the very least EA might start putting out some interesting content in the next few years. But even <laughs> doubtful, but still hopeful that maybe they're even creating a new idea from a, from, from with like a, a new game, with like a new concept, Maybe. I don't know. That that'd be interesting. It's just a just a thought. All right, let's finish up here. Our penultimate story here. It has to do with Crytek. Crytek's officially confirmed that it's working on its fourth Crisis game now in development. The news was made earlier today. Actually, the CEO Avni Yearly, who stated, "It's I don't what I, it's so confirming the thing that you've been asking for for so long. So it's now finally time. Yes. The next crisis is happening. I don't understand that quote. The next crisis game is happening. Uh, he explained that the game is still in early stages of development. And as such, it won't be ready for some time, but noted that we wanted to bring you news at this time that we are so hyped for the future and to let you know that we will be listening to you, our community. Crisis is an incredibly important game to so many people. It's beloved by gamers everywhere, and some of those working in the industry today are doing so because of the original Crisis game. So we want to make sure that the next installment in the franchise lives up to your expectations. As development as development progresses, we will release more details when we can. But in the meantime, know that our dedicated and talented team is working hard to bring you a truly next-gen shooter. The first image of Crisis 4 is seemingly leaked earlier this week by an official Crytek social media account in China. The message appeared earlier on the Crytek official account in Chinese site Bilibili, accompanied by an image of a helmet laying on the ground. The accompanying message also confirmed that the image is from Crisis 4, saying Project Crisis 4 is confirmed. Open up a new nano battlefield. Crytek released Crisis Remastered Trilogy last October, which bundled new remasters of 2 and 3 with an existing remaster of the first game. I think this is kind of the way to go because Crytek's a team that's kind of been up and down like crazy over the past decade or so. And I think this is a great way for them to kind of get back in touch with their roots is to go back, do the thing that they were known for and that they kind of like put them on the map, get that footing again, and then kind of reorient themselves going forward of like what they want to do next. Because all the restructuring that was happening about six or seven years ago and then with, you know, Tencent almost buying them out last year and then that kind of just disappearing and all this up and down and shit they've been through, it's it's like Crytek's just kind of all over the map, and they really haven't put out many games recently. So I think this is a good move for them, although maybe not super exciting as we talk about, you know, a lack of new IP. But hey, Crisis is its own IP from Crytek, and it's not a Marvel or Star Wars game, and they're not being bought out by Tencent or Xbox to, to put 
to exclude this content from other people. So that's good. Um, you know, maybe a new game that everyone can enjoy and play, and there's not much else to it other than a good time. I'm open-minded to that. I don't have much to say on this. Crytek is a team that really un- it doesn't interest me at all. The most I was ever interested in them was following last year with that story about them potentially getting gobbled up by Tencent and then that kind of just falling flat on its face and never really happening. And yeah, I just, like I, I, I don't follow them a lot. I, I tried Rise Son of Rome and it was just okay. I never finished it. Yeah, but new crisis game development. I'm sure this will have plenty of people shit in their pants with excitement. And then our final story of the week comes from VGC. Here's a follow-up on something from last year. Yakuza creator... Toshihiro Nagoshi has officially announced the creation of a new development studio, Nagoshi Studio. The self-named studio has appeared on the European Union IP office this month. And although the trademark did not name the former Sega creative director in relation to the listing, it did confirm the link to the video game software and development. Now the listing's official, together with the launch of an official website showing Nagoshi and the other initial members of the team, the studio is a wholly owned subsidiary of Chinese company NetEase, and will focus on developing high-end titles for a worldwide release, primarily on consoles. Nagoshi is initially joined by eight other staff members of long-standing Sega fame. In an interview with Famitsu, Nagoshi confirmed that the studios has, a studio has already started to work on its first game, and that it will have a Japanese focus, much like the Yakuza and Judgment games they were known for. Quote, we're Japanese, and we're Japanese studios, so naturally the market that we understand the most is Japanese, he explained. We've been desperately trying to find meth- a methodology which would allow us to create something that would be accepted around the world while keeping the focus on Japan. However, I don't think I've been able to give a complete answer to this question until now. In order to find an answer to pursue an ideal create Negoshi Studios, uh, however, the focus will remain on Japan in the future. Nagoshi also noted that his studio will only focus on will focus on only releasing games when they are ready instead of rushing them. I used to work with Nintendo, and I am envied in a admired the stance of we won't release a game until we can say it's done he said i envisioned i'm envious and admire that stance and i want to keep that same policy of not abandoning ideals but preserving until those ideals come true if you never made a game before you might think that it is an obvious thing to say but if someone who makes games hears it they might think are you saying that you can are you sure you can say something like that in this day and age he laughed i really love those those foundational comments from uh mr negoshi because it's it's so indicative of everything wrong with the gaming industry and clearly why he left sega obviously he wanted more creative freedom more control less confinement to a particular ip and he wanted to be able to make the game he wanted to make and fulfill his his uh vision without being tied down now sega you know formerly had his ass with uh ryu gaku godokan or whatever the fucking um, Yakuza team is called. Sega famously puts hard release dates on projects and forces them out the gate. This is the real reason why people don't like Sonic the Hedgehog. It's because Sega cannot stop get fucking itself over and over and over again. Sega of Japan in particular is famous for constantly shooting themselves in the foot, and they are always all about the whole we need a game out for this date, this you know, this holiday season or this time period, get it out by this date, regardless of whether it's ready to go or not. And so I'm assuming by these statements that he's saying he's had lots of projects under Sega with Yakuza and, and, and such where, you know, a deadline had to be met and a game had to come out. And at some point you had to start compromising your vision to make a deadline. And he's saying that he's excited now that, hey, for once, he doesn't have a publisher leaning over him saying that game better be fucking ready by this date. I don't give a shit what you got to do to get there. Just make it happen, you know. 
And I, I, I just love his like candor and way of wording it and, and just making that so apparent because this is a real thing. And yeah, Nintendo should get credit for this because Nintendo seems to have always been the best about this. Sony's also really good about this. With, um, you know, Microsoft seems to be getting a lot better at this too. So I'll give them credit as well, I guess. But, you know, about this whole like, don't, don't release a game until it's ready to release. And I think that's a commendable and respectable thing, especially in a world where, the MO is always release a game as soon as it's broken because we're fucking stupid and we're EA and we're going to put out Battlefield and make sure it's broken. Everyone hates it. And then we're going to make three Star Wars games. So that's pretty damn cool to see that he's got that kind of creative freedom. Not crazy about him working with NetEase, but, you know, NetEase hasn't really given us as much reason to be concerned the way Tencent has. So whatever. I'm happy for the guy. I'm happy for him creatively. I, I love to see where this team goes from here. He's got a lot of good talent with him. He's got guys who worked on like old games like Jet Set Radio and older Yakuza games and shit like that. So some real serious Sega talent now gone. And I'm crazy interested to see how that affects Sega going forward and what these guys are able to create now that they have more capital, more freedom to do what they want. Uh, and I love the way, what he says about what he's trying to make, what kind of game he's trying to make, because it's basically like what Yakuza is. It's like a game that is so authentically Japanese, but can have a worldwide appeal. Dude, I'm here for it. I'm excited to see what these guys do next. They, they got they got they got a supporter. They got a fan in me. All right, that's going to do for all of our news this week, guys. Let's real quick jump into the important enough news. These are stories important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough to warrant our own discussion, of which we do have a handful. Now, uh, a few more than I remember. First one here is that Halo Infinite has enjoyed the... Uh, this is from VGC. Halo Infinite's enjoyed the best multiplayer launch in the franchise's history, according to Microsoft. During Microsoft's second quarter earnings call on Tuesday, the company said, or the CEO, Satya Nadella, said that the game has been played by over 20 million players since its Xbox, PC, and Game Pass release in December. Forza Horizon 5 has also attracted 18 million players since its release for the same platform in November. Guys, Game Pass has 25 million subscribers. So to have 20 million players, damn, that's good. Of course, some of those people are people, some of those players are people who just bought the game on Xbox or a lot of those people who bought the game on Steam don't have Game Pass. But damn, that number is so impressive. This is why you want Game Pass to be a thing because, you know, a successful Halo launch may have been like, six seven thousand seven million people within that launch window of a month or so but 20 million thank you game pass that's pretty big shit uh, vgc also reports bethesda and shinji mikami's ghostwire sorry bethesda and shinji mcquire mikami's ghostwire tokyo could be releasing as soon as march according to a playstation store listing for the game captured by mp first which reportedly listed the game releasing on march 24 march 24th 2022 Bethesda's PS5 exclusive was due for release last year, but in the summer it was officially delayed to early 2022, although we haven't seen or heard from it in a while, so it's a little concerning, but possibly coming out March 24th. We'll have to wait and see. Speaking of delayed games finally coming out, Windows Central reports that Lucasfilm Games, Warner Bros. Interactive Entertainment, and TT Games announced that the long-delayed LEGO Star Wars The Skywalker Saga has finally had a release date. The game is now coming out April 5th, 2022. First announced way back in 2019 E3. The game has been delayed so many times that partially due to the pandemic and affected the game development over the last two years. Oh my God, it's another Star Wars game, but people actually like this one. Like, LEGO games are cool and it's been a while, so I'm okay with it. Next up, VGC reports that former leaders of Activision Blizzard's European operations have formed a new publisher called New Tales. Situated in Paris, France, the company is helmed by Chief Executive Officer Cedric Malrica, who's formerly Activision Blizzard's Senior VP of International. He's joined by other European Activision Blizzard veterans, including former VP of International Business Operations Benoit Dufour, who is serving as COO, former Senior Director EMEA at Blizzard, uh, Delphine Lecour, 
and former EMEA director at Blizzard, Emmanuel Aubert. Fucking French people. They are supported by three senior advisors of game development, Kim Gresco, former composite artist at LucasArts and co-founder of Blue Silver Studios, Ray Gresco, previous global chief officer at Blizzard and co-founder of Blue Silver Studios, Julia Humphreys, and former Overwatch producer, director at Blizzard, and senior producer at Seven Studios. That's a lot of really big key talent. No, no surprise that they've left Activision Blizzard, but good luck for them on their new adventure at their new venture with new tales. Uh, the, the, the team is working on creating original IP through its own internal studios and providing publishing services to other game developers through fair partnerships. Hey, I love all that fair partnerships, new IP, new teams, new students. Oh man. So exciting. Wow. That actually has me excited. So like new games that people will be able to play instead of just taking shit away from other people or making everyone be like, Hey, uh, star Wars. Hey, that makes me excited. Good for you, New Tales. I am rooting for you. VGC also reports Activision Blizzard CEO Bobby Kotick, who is interested in, uh, sorry, was interested in acquiring video game press publications in an attempt to change reporting around the company, it's been alleged. A new report from Wall Street Journal details the reasons why Microsoft's acquisition of Blizzard was likely made easier due to ongoing problems at the company. However, Section of the End reports make sorry make claims that prior to the acquisition Kotick was considering the possibility of buying certain video game publications like like Kotaku or Polygon to try and uh paint the paint the publishing giant in a better light um following all the shit they've been dealing with which is just so fucked and corrupt but at least he's gonna walk away super fucking rich guys right we really won out this time vgc reports speaking of activision blizzard ceo bobby kotick has said he's he would like to see microsoft bring back some of the currently retired series once the acquisition deal is completed speaking of venture beat kotick cited guitar hero skylanders as two of the franchises that were really popular for activision in the past but were eventually shelved for numerous reasons one of the reasons were needy were the need for separate manufacturing teams sometimes Something Kotick says weren't they that Activision wasn't prepared to set up, but feels that Microsoft should be equipped to do. Oh yeah, Microsoft who can barely fucking release a new Surface product every fall um, without you know having to roll it out in many many markets over the course of five months. I'm sure they can manufacture and produce more Skylanders figures and plastic guitars. Oh yeah. Uh, next up, VGC reports a group of quality assurance testers at Call of Duty Warzone developer Raven are seeking to unionize with the Communications Workers of America. Uh, the group was, or the the <laughs> the movement to have Activision recognize the union was uh, was was shot down. So Activision noted that uh, they deeply respect the rights of the employees, but could not reach an agreement and uh, will not be moving forward in this recognition. So that's awesome. Love that. And then our penultimate one here, VGC reports a sequel to last year's Mortal Kombat movies in the works at New Line Cinema. So that, you know, the Warner Bros. own film studio has hired uh, Fantastic Four and Moon Knight writer Jeremy Slapter, Slater. Jeremy Slater to pen uh, the Mortal Kombat 2 script as reported by Deadline. And finally... Suit up Spartans, the wait is almost over. As tweeted by the Halo on Paramount Twitter account, the official trailer for the Halo series is set to air on Sunday during the halftime of the AFC Championship football game on CBS and Paramount+. Plus. Now, if you're not an American, that means probably nothing to you. And as an American, that means nothing to me. But apparently, there's a football game happening this Sunday, and halfway through the football game, there will be a commercial break where they will show the trailer for the new Halo show. I will watch that on Sunday when it happens, but good for you, Halo. Uh, that's going to do it for all of our news, guys. That's everything for this week. Super long episode of the podcast. Obviously, so much shit going on. We're going to cut out the games with gold, and we're going to cut out the new game releases of the week 
because fuck you, it's my podcast and I said so. But next time when we join together, it will be February. So make sure you get those games of gold if you haven't already. So you can, you know, get get your games of the month. But guys, that I'm I'm losing my voice here. I know this was a crazy episode. Probably lots of like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? A lot of scary shit. A lot of uh, I don't like this guy. He's not he's not a real Xbox. He's not one of us. I'm gonna go back to my my Xbox podcast where they tell me everything I want to hear. That's okay. I don't think so little of you. I, I think if you made it this far into the podcast, you're open minded enough to let someone else say 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 something other than oh good for consolidation. Um, but guys, hey, as always. Go ahead and leave a five-star review on Spotify, on iTunes, especially iTunes. Subscribe on on, on YouTube, youtube.com slash Podcast, And subscribe to my other YouTube channel where I'm desperately trying to put out funny videos. I'll have a new one up this Sunday. It's it's uh, youtube.com slash lightningmixstream, which is also my Twitch handle. Follow me there. We're having a lot of fun, and we got new silly videos posting all the time if you like. If you like funny Xbox shit, you're going to love this account. Oh, boy. And for all updates on things like what I'm eating and, and other stupid and unnecessary things, you can follow me on Twitter, at Jesse DeRosa. But until next week, you guys, thank you so much for your time. Can't wait to hear back from you guys on what you thought about uh, some of the news this week and everything happening with Activision Blizzard. And if you think I had any bad takes and how we can evolve this discussion further, I appreciate your time and your support as always, guys. Thank you so much and power your streets. Lights flashing, point blank, mind rushing on and on into frequency to a perfect world. Make believe it's just you and me. And I don't need, need, need anybody. Still, you find a way to beat me to the bottom, and it's just like you. Keep your head above the